Folks, our third main feed, Astonishing Legends Spooky Season Show, is coming up this weekend on October 28th, 2023, but we've got a lot of fun stuff for you before that even happens. First, five days ago, we published one of our older episodes of our Patreon-exclusive show, The Astonishing Junk Drawer, and tonight we're sharing episode 20. So there were a lot of big changes from number five to number 20. For one, we found some stock music for a theme that we liked, and I do love it, even though I've since heard it in a pharmaceutical commercial on TV, but that's okay. It was a non-exclusive license, but it's a catchy tune, and it seems to fit the junk drawer. Also, at this point, we figured out that we like doing the junk drawer live on video, so patrons can watch us live and also talk to us in the chat while we're on the air. So just know you may hear us referring to on-camera things like images or references to what we're doing that you, of course, can't see because this is an audio-only version of the show. Rest assured that if you become a patron at patreon.com slash astonishinglegends, you can find any junk drawer that had video with it and watch the video anytime after it's been posted. Secondly, being live on video, these are completely unedited, which means they don't benefit from our editor Sarah's magic touch of cleaning us up and making us sound super slick. But by the same token, this is raw, unedited conversation, so it feels different from the main show, but it's still fun. The junk drawer is also less filtered and more candid, so just be ready for that too. So tonight's episode, Astonishing Junk Drawer number 20, was originally posted on Patreon back on March 5th of this year, 2023. Now, there's a few reasons that we chose to share this one. The first is our wonderful guest, Amelia Cotter, who has some amazing stories about fairies and gnomes to share. And the second is, for those of you who don't know who the co-host of our new show, Scared All the Time, is, you'll hear him in this episode of The Junk Drawer, for which he is frequently our director. We call him the mechanic, but also his name is Ed. He and his friend, Chris Kulari, are co-hosts of the newest show from Astonishing Legends, Scared All the Time and the second episode of their show will be released this week in our main feed on Thursday, just two days from now, so keep an eye out for that. Oh, and a quick aside, if you ordered Halloween merch, it's being printed and shipped out right now to hopefully arrive to you by Halloween. And for fun, we've left the sweatpants up in the store, but orders from this point forward for those are no longer attempting to arrive by Halloween necessarily. So to recap, Expect Season 1, Episode 2 of Scared All the Time in our main feed this Thursday. And you can also just find Scared All the Time and subscribe to it anywhere you get your podcasts. Because after Episode 2, that's where the new episodes are going to live, not in our main feed. And you can expect our Halloween main show this weekend on October 28th. And October 28th is actually a pretty big night, because in addition to our main Halloween show being posted that night, You'll also be able to find us hanging out live with Jim Harold, and then later on in the evening, Matt and Adam from Graveyard Tales. So just find them, find their socials if you want to find those live streams that we'll be visiting in on. It's a blockbuster Halloween night for all of our shows. So now, without further ado, here is an encore main feed presentation of Astonishing Junk Drawer number 20. Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween.
Hey, everybody. Welcome to Astonishing Junk Drawer number 20. And no, mm. I didn't have to go quickly look up which one it was while the theme was playing, which is exactly what I did. It is number 20. Uh, it's been a little bit of a delay since the last one, which I put uh, squarely on myself uh, just from some personal stuff, which I posted about on Patreon and uh, honestly was literally moved to tears when I read how quickly uh, people came in and said all kinds of wonderful things just inside of like 10 minutes. I went to walk the dog. I posted, mm. hey, sorry, we hadn't done a junk drawer, some stuff going on. Walk the dog came back and there was like 30 comments from very supportive, kind people. So I would like to thank you all very much for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, thank you very much. Uh, it shows how much uh, support we get. And that's what keeps us going is uh, friends that like to hear about this kind of stuff. And that's exactly what we're going to have on today. A friend of ours, a new friend of ours that has some pretty wild stories uh, that part of which she experienced and part of it's uh, from people that she knew very well at the time. So uh, can't wait to get to that. But Scott, do we have any news uh, for uh, since we've been away so long? Well, I mean, I think, gosh, no, I don't think we do right now. The only news we have is that uh, we're going to get back onto our business here with the junk drawers and keep mm -hmm. those moving. Um, and uh, I, I guess I could, I will leak that. I don't want to say too much about this, but we are developing another form of content that we're having a lot of fun with in the background. Um, that uh, oh. And that may be a new offering that will start its life on Patreon exclusively. And then uh, later it might be something that moves to YouTube, but we are excited about that. I don't want to say too much about it now because we're still. No, that was, that was out. too much already. No, that was yeah. just enough. I think it's yeah. uh, to let you know that we are uh, trying to keep it fresh around here and developing yeah. new ideas. And this uh, is something that we've actually thought about uh, since probably just right after we started the show is that yes. how how could we incorporate this new fun angle and so uh, it's taken this long but we think maybe uh the technology has caught up to where we might be able to do something with it but uh, we're always looking to uh provide something uh you know to our audience and certainly uh the people that uh are paying to get their money you know a bang for their buck so to yes. say yeah, we need so, a new flavor of Doritos, so we're working right. on that. And, uh, <laughs> and we've just, but we're coming out with Crystal Pepsi, so that's yeah, Crystal uh, Pepsi. Yeah. Don't go back. But uh, well, without further ado, we would like to welcome Amelia Cotter to the show. Uh, I'm going to ask the mechanic to bring her up. There she is, Amelia. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us today. Amelia is a uh, very talented author. She's a presenter. She's a poet. She's a, you're everything. What what don't you do? Like you're you're a busy person. I can even fix the toilet. So oh. I, I do a lot of things. Yeah. That is a handy lifetime skill. It's good, yeah. it's, um, not to imply that I break a lot of toilets, but um, no, it's like getting the flu. It's going to happen at some point. You can, it's going to uh, happen. Yeah, Somebody's going to need it's a good life skill, but, uh, exactly. but thank you so much for having me on. I love you guys. I'm such a huge fan. Mm, I will, I'm you. not going to gush, but I am going to gush. Um, <laughs> So I've been listening for five or six years. So not from the beginning, but, um, you know, for a good chunk. Yeah. That's long stay, enough. Yeah. Right long <laughs> enough. And I'll state for the record that my favorite episodes are the ones that are like eight hours long and require being broken up into like four parts. <laughs> yes, I know. We, we, we I, have some plans on some of those. I actually got, uh, I got depressed when I saw that Netflix beat us to the punch on MH370, the Malaysian uh, flight that disappeared. I wanted to be first out of the gate on that, but I'm oh, anxious to see yeah. it. Yeah. No, it's yeah. here's the thing is that uh, we always uh, try to take a different approach. Uh, one thing I've noticed, uh, n you know, now having been on television for a few times is that, you know, you're limited uh, when you have those kinds of uh, network shows, either, even within a documentary. 
as many parts as you can have. You can't have 14 parts. You know, it's uh, there are restrictions and rules. Yeah, well, they did you, nine, I think. So, yeah, gonna, well, here's <laughs> here's the thing, though, is that uh, it's we even though all this, the stories that we cover, uh, other podcasts have done them. They've been on other shows, certainly in search of things like that, uh, old staples. And, uh, you know, what we've heard from uh you know, our listeners is that will say that, well, here's another show that did a really good job on this. Like it's, it's very concise, much more than us. And they're like, no, no, no. We want to hear you guys uh, do it. And, and that's because I think Scott and I can bring something that you can't bring to a documentary, which is this conversational aspect. Uh, we can dive deeper on certain things that, that we find interesting. We don't have to trim things to fit it into this episode, because even in a eight or nine, 12 part series, you're still limited. You have a network that's telling you, that's giving you notes like, well, let's shy away from that narrative. Let's go over here because that seems to track well for a general audience. So, uh, you know, podcasting is a it's an indulgent medium and we get to do what we want. So don't uh, don't act like we're not going to do it at some point. We just uh, we might have to watch that and then uh, rethink of uh, a strategy. But uh, one thing I want to say about Amelia before we got started is that we had a lot of terrific submissions for our Halloween shows. And we still yes. uh, very grateful for that. Thank you so much. Uh, and if your story didn't get chosen, it's not because it wasn't good. It's we received a, uh, a large grouping of stories that uh, Amelia's uh is is one of those that ended up in the the finalist category but there were a grouping of stories that were uh that wouldn't have gotten uh justice if they were kept to 10 15 minutes a segment just for the person to tell it because these are usually lifetime stories or a, a lifetime of experiences or experiences that require more discussion and thought and philosophy on it. And I think that's what uh, Amelia is going to present to us here today is that uh, it, it just, it, yeah, just to sum this up in 10 minutes, or it just, it wouldn't have come off. Um, they wouldn't have done it justice. And it, it uh, certainly deserved a lot more time. So we reserved a, a section of stories that we would like to bring people on for these junk drawers because they have more time to be more conversational about it, to tell more of the story uh, and, uh, and, and really to be more interactive with it than just like read us your email and, uh, and we're going to get to the next one in 10 minutes. So that's why uh, it didn't end up in, in one of the shows. Uh, but we hope to feature more people's stories as we go along that are, are, are of that ilk that are just, uh, you know, it was either a long email or, or, you know, this has always been happening to me with these very interesting themes and motifs that keep popping up and 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 amelia today what is that motif for you well i have so this is uh my stories that i will be sharing with you all tonight are going to revolve around what i will refer to as gnomes <laughs> um this is something that i haven't gone public with before huh? um so this is like a really public way for me to um kind of come out with my experiences. Mm. Um, I approach these things from the same perspective that, that you guys do. I love stories. I am a storyteller at heart. Um, even though, uh, paranormal research and investigation is sort of part of, um, it, you know, part of what I, what I do and what I love and what I think about, I really have come to, expand my horizons in the last couple of years, uh, be more open to the stories and experiences of others, be more open to hearing different types of stories and the different connections between things. So 
it's a joke, of course, that like the paranormal community was siloed for a very long time between people who were only into ghosts, only into Bigfoot, only into UFOs. Now people are coming together, having a lot more conversations and finding a lot more like Mm. um, intersectionality between all of those things. And so that fascinates me and I'm trying to grow in that. And part of my growth is to talk about my own weird experiences. Um, I'm a person who has traditionally been skeptical until proven otherwise. Um, even though then when you hear like the stuff that I've gone through, you'd be like, how could you possibly be? Um, and just something (laughs) like during, during the time, right. During the time of of COVID and listening to just the greater picture of, about, uh, people telling and sharing their stories and people validating each other's experiences in life, even if they aren't experiences that they have personally had, got me thinking about how we interpret that kind of in the paranormal world. And um, so I've made it a point to kind of take the step to start validating and believing um, the stories of others, even if it's something that seems crazy, something that hasn't happened to me, something I've never seen or even heard of or might not believe in, um, doesn't mean it's not real. Doesn't mean that it didn't happen in some way, shape, or form to that person. So that also serves as my disclaimer for all the crazy stuff that you're about to hear. <laughs> well, that, that's something. Uh, quickly, Scott, I just want to say it's something that we talk about all the time, and with people, uh, you see this a lot. Of course, everything on the internet now is like, I think that video is fake, or this person's lying, or you find out, you do find out later, bit that maybe they're trying to. Uh, it's like, well, I've been working on a screenplay. It's like, right. okay, uh, but what do you do when it's a very close friend of yours, and in this case, it's a family member? And, and also somebody, uh, you know, you were you were very close with that mentions these things and uh, you tend to believe them with everything else they say, except that this story is so outrageous. You like, OK, I want to believe that you believe it. But like, what do I believe about yeah. you and, and, and what do I believe right. about it? And uh, yeah. that is a whole other dynamic because it 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 challenges us. It's like, are you then uh, are you still not going to believe it until it happens to you? Uh, and, and then when, what happens when it does? Yeah. And we also find like we're always trying to find meaning and value in these stories too, connections. And I think stepping back from things now, I can make some connections, but also like sometimes things just don't make sense. They just don't yeah. tie up neatly with a bow and maybe they shouldn't or aren't meant to. And it's not it's for us to wonder. That's the that's a beautiful part of all of this is wondering. Um but um, but yeah, I'll save more of those thoughts, I guess, okay. for, for later because it's uh, – Well, let's talk a little bit it. about your background. I mean because yeah, you're, sure. you're a published uh, poet, an author, you're, and also you were talking to us as we were uh, getting to know each other before we started recording. You've uh, appeared at a, a lot of uh, conventions and places with uh, folks I'm sure that we know. So you're, you're out there in the mix on all this stuff as well, right? Yeah, so I do a lot of talks on haunted history, people's relationships with hauntings, um, people's true paranormal encounters. Um, I've done a couple of television shows myself, so I also sometimes just talk about like the nature of what it's like to either be on TV in the paranormal world, because people always have a lot of thoughts and questions about that, um, as well as... uh, I've done some consulting with paranormal television as well. So kind of like Mm. to what Forrest was talking about with like, um, you know, prescribed um, agendas or, or um, objectives and things like that in television and how that shapes stories and how that shapes the stories that we hear and that we watch on TV and 
explaining to people the difference between entertainment and reality. And often those conversations happen with other like ghost hunters and stuff yeah. too, um, who have lots of big, important opinions about um, how, how this kind of thing is portrayed on TV. But, um, but yeah, I love it. it uh, so I've written five books. Um, that's what I am at heart is a writer. So I write about other things that aren't paranormal. Like I'm also a poet and I do, um, poetry about um, trauma and um, healing and, and things like that. People working through um, mental illness or, or difficult times in their life. Um, I also, and I have a day job uh, as well that is unrelated to both of those things. So uh, yeah, you know, I, I came what, to. By day, are you, are you like a repo person? You repo, repossess cars or something? <laughs> that would be Bounty awesome. Hunter? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that would be super cool. No, I, I am a, I'm the manager of docent programs. Hmm. Um, oh, at wow. the Lincoln Park Conservancy here in Chicago. So I work with the docents. Uh, if anybody has ever been to the Lincoln Park Conservatory by the zoo there. Oh, that's cool. Um, and, uh, and the natural areas around Lincoln Park. So I get people hyped. I get people hyped about um, sharing their joys with other people. Um, I'm not a scientist or a sciencey person, but I'm responsible for getting people excited about the natural world mm. so, and the supernatural world. That's great. That's a pretty great mix. Yeah. It's a, you've got a lot of perspectives there that uh, I feel like they're all, as, as you just said, um, the, what the word I was going to say where things were overlapping, you picked a better look, uh, word, I think interrelation, interrelated or whatever. But Venn diagram, um, that's one way. Venn diagram, yeah. yeah overlapping circles of influence. and But that gives you a better perspective is that you're you're looking at everything's from all ends of the spectrum and, and trying to figure out where what what part of the Venn diagram things belong in and what it means for them to be in those parts and, and to overlap. It sounds fascinating. Thank you. Like, how did you, how did you wind up here? Because you seem, you, you've got a very unusual, uh, you know, milieu of, of things going on, it seems like, but you're, you're managing, how did you get, how did paranormal get in the mix for one yeah. thing? So I, <laughs> I've loved ghost stories and ghostly stuff since I was a kid when I was younger, I knew from a young age that I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to write about ghosts uh, from that sort of like romantic, like candlelight sort of Edgar Allan Poe kind of perspective and vibe. Um, I initially, after I moved to Chicago in 2008, eight, yes, I was uh, diagnosed with cancer in 2007, right after literally like a two months or a month after I graduated from college. Uh -huh. So that put a wrench in my plans. Um, I moved home with my parents. I went into treatment. Obviously I turned out okay. Um, I had stage four Hodgkin lymphoma, oh my gosh. which was like a psychedelic experience. Um, and so I moved to Chicago two weeks after my chemotherapy ended. I was ready to leave the nest and, and fly free. Um, I moved here with a friend and, uh, I guess I had it in me at that time that I wanted to start working on my dreams sooner than later. I was like, I really want to be a writer. And this story that I had connected with from my childhood, which was a ghost story was what I wanted to start with. But when I wrote the book, I envisioned it as a young adult romance type of book, that there were elements of um, reality in it, but that it was just it was going to be middle grade fiction type of thing. I ended up self-publishing it under the name 
this house, the true story of a girl and a ghost. I didn't know what I was doing. I was like 24. I was like, there's a lot of key words in this, right? <laughs> right. So like, here's my 800 word title. But at the time, um, whatever I did, it, it caught on and I started to see it, it just, it caught on. And, uh, I had joined a ghost hunting group when I moved to Chicago and I was like, well, who am I going to sell the book to besides my mom and dad? Like I'll sell it to these folks. And then I just started to notice that, uh, like Dave Schrader contacted mm -hmm. me to be mm -hmm. on darkness radio. And I yeah. was like, I was like, Amelia, I think you're onto something. And so then I, um, I became very much involved with the paranormal community and I started to, I took a lot of heat because the book was the true story of a girl and a ghost, but there was a lot of narrative elements in it. And I was like, you guys, this is not where I thought this was, where I thought this was going to go. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I just, yeah, I started to make friends with people and Chicago has a really had and still has. And now there's a new generation of like real, just a really rich folklore ghost hunting, paranormal community, whatever you want to call it, um, all of the above. And so I guess I got in touch with the right people. I was friends with Ursula Bielski, who was one mm -hmm. of my mentors and um, worked with Chicago Hauntings Ghost Tours for a long time. So um, so anyway, yeah, I just I kind of like whoop, uh, came right into it. And this has by far probably been a much um, richer and more rewarding experience than if I had just stuck with writing children's books or something and sort of like uh, faded away. I feel like I'm growing my, I mean, this is a career moment for me, like being on this show. So I'm, you know, I'm still growing and climbing. But wow. We, we, we came across Ursula in our resurrection Mary series. Yep. Uh, yep. Who, and she was also uh, Scott, who is the name of the gentleman um, who uh, used to have a show on WGN oh, radio? The DJ. Um, uh, and he did ghost tours. Uh, yeah, not Richard, Ray. Uh, Richard, yeah, Richard Crow. Richard Crow. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so she's a fixture. Certainly, we certainly know her name. And he, uh, and, he had an amazing voice. That, yeah, yeah. It, but yeah. but you're right. There's a community there, as there are in in most places, and in, in even the the smallest towns. Usually, if there's uh, some like minded folks, they will eventually find each other, and uh, and there's room for all manner, as, as we're seeing now, of uh, types of media within within the genre. And uh, you know, it's like historical fiction. There's a, there's room for that. There's room for narrative elements because uh, it's a story. That's what we're doing here. Is that it's you're telling a story about an experience. And uh, you can get two people having the same experience, which, which is also interesting. Uh, and, and a great example of that is the uh, the Uncanny podcast that uh, some friends of ours in the UK have introduced us to. And uh, we're yeah, two, yeah, two uh, guys in college. Uh, bloody hell, Ken. <laughs> It was like the and Ken was the was the one guy who, uh, while at uni, uh, experienced something, and then his roommate had pretty much the same exact experience, but theirs differed so much, and that is part of the phenomenon. Is that yeah. a lot of it is POV, and so you have there is room for personal narrative and, and point of view on this, uh, absolutely, because it's not there's not just one truth, and if you don't tell that, then you need to hit the road. It's uh, there's room for all of it as long as you're clear about it, and like I said, I, I think right. as long as people are. Uh, are open about what they're presenting and how, uh, and not trying to pull one over on folks. Uh, I don't yeah. really have a problem with it, but I agree. Uh, but where did you, so, uh, I guess let's get to the beginning of your story because like I said, that was such an intriguing email, uh, that it, it's a, it's one of those lifetime kind of things. It involves uh, family and, uh, 
and significant others. Uh, and it, it, I think it started in childhood or when did you first started noticing that maybe things were different with me and my family? Oh boy. So, okay. So let me start. So my follow-up to this house was Maryland ghosts. I wanted to write, I'm from Maryland originally. Mm -hmm. I wanted to write a book that was like an homage to my home state mm -hmm. that was people's true paranormal encounters. And, um, I would say a good majority, not majority, a good portion of the stories in the book are like family stories, family and friends and people who were sort of like, I wanted to record these things, um, you know, for myself and like for posterity or whatever, because it just, my family has the most interesting stories. My aunt and uncle both have had uh, UFO encounters, um, very different from each other. Um, my parents themselves are not big believers in the paranormal, but they're certainly interested in the topic. And when the topic comes up, their, their attention is, is peaked. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I had my fascination with it since I was a kid, uh, just, it was just something that was in me. And I don't, you know, I know that things like run in families, experiences mm -hmm. tend to run in families, um, as well, but, uh, yeah, it was just, it was always a part of me growing up too. I grew up in suburban, I grew up in Bel Air, Maryland. And there's not, if you're not uh, doing drugs <laughs> and partying when you're a teenager, which I wasn't cool enough to do, <laughs> you were with your other nerdy friends, like exploring cemeteries and whatever, going to all these like rite of passage sites and mm -hmm. haunted, haunted abandoned places. So I, I did all that when I was young as well. And uh, my parents thought that was really cool. Like they thought that was neat. They were like, yeah, do it. Go for it. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds exciting. You won't get pregnant doing that. So yeah, yeah better, better than uh, yeah, doing all kinds of uh, right. yeah, substances uh, out of their, out of their sight. But uh, it's a, it's a macabre uh, hobby, but, uh, right. it, you know, I think it, we all uh, started off with some kind of interest in that or something that, that, uh, that piques our interest later on in life or just a general interest. And sometimes it's an experience. Uh, but for you, it was, uh, so there, there's a, uh, I guess your friends and family, since they're open to it, it, it was encouraged a bit. So you, that's where your interest started. Yeah. So when I was, when I was like 11, my dad worked at the Manor Tavern, which is a restaurant in Moncton, Maryland, um, that was built on the property of the old Third Lord Baltimore, mm. uh, you know, Ch Charles Calvert, I think that's his mm. name. Uh, there's like a Charles County and a Calvert County in, in Maryland um, mm. in like the late 1700s. So this restaurant had been a stable, like, 250 years ago and then uh became other things over the years turned into a restaurant and across the the parking lot literally if you sat on the patio eating your 30 dollars steak you could see this this abandoned house this creepy abandoned house that the locals referred to as walter's house mm. and because my uh, we had we had one car um my mom and i would drive out to drop him off at work and then pick him up when he was done. Um, that house was my house. I loved that house. I would go in the house. I would explore. Um, I was like this little junior ghost hunter. They had the coolest little books in for kids in the, at the library at that time. Like it was all in the occult section and they had like these little ghost hunting guides and whatever. And I just, you know, I went out with my recorder and my camera and took pictures and just really imagined myself seeing this ghost. And then one day 
I did. So the, the, for me, the, the big, my big moment in life happened when I was 11 and that was seeing this full body apparition. Uh, it was not scary. It was exhilarating. It opened up, it opened the world to me. It opened my eyes to what a beautiful, strange, exciting place the world is and how crazy, how I'll use the word crazy like a thousand times, but just, you know, that there's so much more to life than like being a kid in, in Bel Air, Maryland. Um, and, uh, and anyway, so it was, it was a beautiful experience and that kind of set me on the pathway of, I've, it's hard to say, cause now it all makes sense because here I am, but at the same time, like I still lived my life doing all of the other things, <laughs> but I just loved, I just had this connection with the spirit world or with ghosts. I didn't feel psychic. I didn't feel like they were all around me all the time or that I could communicate with them, but just that they were there. I'm here. They're there. We're cool. You know, what, uh, what did the apparition, what did it look like? So one of the craziest things about it, and this actually, this relates, I was just thinking about it this past week when I was thinking about um, just this, I, he was leaning out of a window. He was like a young boy or young man, not that much older than me. Um, and he was leaning out of a window and he was completely white or like shades of white and, and gray. Um, but I could see that he was wearing like, you know, like suspenders and like an mm -hmm. old fashioned, like not a puffy shirt, but you know what I mean? Like a mm -hmm. work shirt with like the, um, you know, gathered at the, the cuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, he had curly hair and his face was completely white. He had no face. It was like a, like a doll that doesn't have a face. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like a vacuum, like a, a vacuum of terror. Right. It was like, uh, just, there was no face, but, I could read his expression. Like when I, I looked up into the window of the attic and I could see him looking down at me and uh, my mom was there and my friend Graham from school was there and he and I both saw it, but my mom didn't. Um, she was driving. So we were in a car pulling away from the house so that she could tell that we were seeing something. She was driving very slowly because we were pulling away. Um, and as we were pulling away, his head just turned and watched us go. And uh, my mom offered to back up the car. And I said, no. In my little kid wisdom, I was like, if we go back and he's not there, my heart will be broken. If we mm. go back and he is there, then I think I will be scared. <laughs> um, but I, I remember when his head turned, I just felt this like this ball in my stomach sort of like forming. It's like that static. A lot of people report mm -hmm. a static electricity feeling all over. Yeah. Um, and I could just tell that he was surprised that we could see him. Where is this but, house again? So the house is gone now. Um, yeah. You can visit this site. It's in Moncton, Maryland, the Manor Tavern restaurant. Right. And where the house used to stand, there's now an equestrian hospital. Okay. Equestrian, I think. So this is out in like horse country in, oh, in like okay. Baltimore County. So okay. um, you'll see people riding their horses, um, maybe equine. I don't know what word I'm looking for. But mm -hmm. um, there's uh, there was another house next to it. That, oh, does that look familiar to you? 
It, oh, that's interesting. That's across from the Ooh, on course. Old York Road. Yeah, that's that's it's right off of Old York Road, and I think mm. like Hess Road. Yeah, rings a bell. Okay, the mechanic is looking um, for images. So in the background, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. But yeah, so it um, there was a house next to Walter's house that was uh, occupied at the time by somebody else who worked at the restaurant. So she had stories. Uh, um, about like fire, her son's fire trucks moving around by themselves at night and going oh, off that's, and stuff that's like that. Spielbergy. <laughs> and Jonathan and I, my husband and I visited the site in 2020, right before the lockdown happened. Mm-hmm. And that house is now abandoned. That mm-hmm. house is now abandoned and it looks the way Walter's house used to look. And it okay. really like, I'm not that old. So <laughs> it was really like, yeah. um, it was interesting, but yeah. 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 So, I would uh, love mm. to have seen an apparition. I have not. Um, I, I've had it's, other experiences. It's still early, Scott. But yeah, nothing yeah. like that. So I feel like I was open to it because I was a kid and because I was at that right mm. age and because I invited the experience. So thank goodness it wasn't something like, right. um, <clears throat> you know, something more sinister or whatever. But um I've had, obviously we're going to talk about the other experiences I've had, but nothing ever has come close to that. And now I think even if something like these gnome things were happening to me now, I don't think I would handle it the way I did 10 years Mm. ago. I just, I'm not up for it. I don't have, I have a different level of anxiety now. I just don't, I'm not, uh, I love paranormal stuff. I will go to a haunted place. I do not want the hauntings to come to me. I don't, (laughs) Yeah. you know, I need to sleep or get up early for work. You know, I can't. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. I'm completely get that point of view. <laughs> well, you, you, like I said, I've always, I've always said this. It's that, uh, yeah, you're looking for that experience. Certainly the, the best thing would be to record something just to, you know, again, because we're doing a show, uh, we would love to share something like that on our own. But uh, on the other hand, I don't need a shadow person showing up because I got I have to get up in the morning. I don't need to be up all night. <laughs> on the other hand, a lot of people report be like, I went right to sleep. Maybe it's a great a great sleep aid. I you know it's like it's that yeah. uh, that paranormal apathy angle where it's just like uh, yeah, this most terrifying Gordon thing showed up in my in my bedroom, and then I just went to sleep right after that. But but it was awful, you know. So it's all yeah. over the uh, it's all over the map. I we may be scaring ourselves more than the actual experience where it's just, like you said, it's, it's a different point of view with the anxiety and uh, how you, how you handle it. And as a kid, uh, maybe that's why uh, Walter, as you call him, or, or got the sense that, that that was his name. Yeah. You know, it's, it's two kids identifying with each other. And as we all know, and you forget, as you get older, uh, turn into an adult that you you lose that there there is a there is a club with kids they can't do everything an adult can they're limited uh, but it's their own special world for a while and we yeah. we all lose that and, and but within that uh, it's like just you know when you're when you're very little it, it's being able to play with any kid there's no uh, there's no prejudice there's no uh, you know all those social factors that you get you you learn in high school they're not there yet and so it's it's like being in a club and uh, it, it's interesting how you put it that uh, he looks surprised that uh, you noticed him. And uh, because I'm sure he's gone through since he passed away, all these people coming around the house and no one seems to be able to see him and yeah. uh, how lonely that must feel. And then here's somebody who uh, seems to sense that he's there. And so there's there's also that connection. 
And there have been other times in my life. And I will say, I don't know if I mentioned that. Yeah, they, they, they called it Walter's house affectionately. And they named all the ghosts Walter <laughs> that were on kind of just affectionately on the property. Mm, okay. Um, I've, it, it happened after somebody who did an early morning shift in the restaurant was vacuuming a lady in a Victorian dress walked into the room, asked him if he had seen Walter. Mm. He said, no, ma'am. And then she walked through a wall. And wow. after that, after that story, every they were like, we're just calling all the ghosts Walter just sort of as a joke. But, yeah. you know, um, but uh, when I was sick, I had a lot of like vivid dreams um, also because of just the sickness. I had vivid dreams, but right. um, one of those was like a visualization of uh, my friend's grandparents who I had never met, which was interesting. Um, they had passed away around the time within a year or two of this. I visualized my friend Gretchen's grandparents and my grandmother and Walter. Walter, mm -hmm. as I saw him, just sort of like this white, like mannequin-like figure um, in this dream, sort of in a halo of light. And they were kind of there. They were like my cheerleading squad. So he mm -hmm. was like still there. And there are times if I talk about him or I'll get chills, but like I'll smell that smell of like damp, rotten mm -hmm. um, wood that mm -hmm. you smell when you're in an abandoned yeah. house. Okay. All right. So <laughs> earlier when you were like, I'm not psychic, I'm not, you made a long list of all the things you aren't. Well, <laughs> and then that's been something I've been exploring more in the last couple of years. I closed yeah. myself off to it. Things, weird things happen to me anyway, as we're, you know, and then now I'm opening up again to it where I still don't communicate with them or not in the way that you hear about a lot of people communicating, but I wonder and think about whether or not I just, um, I try to have this aura with living people that I'm accessible, that I'm somebody you can trust. I'm approachable. This is me and, and you're you and you can be you with me or, you know, something like that. And if that, um, presents me to them in a way where they feel comfortable showing mm. themselves or demonstrating themselves to me in some way, um, it doesn't really go any further than that, but if, but that could be what they're looking for is just that acknowledgement, um, or yeah, a connection. Well, well, two things before we, we get into discussion of the, we folk, uh, that one thing that did strike me is your mention of, uh, your severe, severe illness, because that is also something we see somewhat common with people that have these really intense experiences uh, during their lives. And often it happens around an illness, uh, especially when they're younger, when they're confined. Uh, and, you know, you can speculate on the, the cause for that. Maybe being, uh, you know, with that illness opens up some barriers and some doors that were normally shut before when everything's, you're fine and healthy and everything's going along swimmingly. But being uh, sick for quite a while, uh, I remember our friend, uh, uh, Johnny L. Tenney was, had a childhood sickness. I think I remember his story, which is pretty incredible that, uh, he was gone for a year from school. And, uh, of course he's, he's about our age. And so back then they just said like, I guess he died. I, we haven't seen him. And they just, and he showed up at school again. They're like, Oh, you, well, you, you what happened? He's like, well, I, I was bedridden, you know, confined to my bedroom for about a year. And so when you, when you have these illnesses, uh, they, um, you know, they maybe they bring down some walls and you're open to more of these types of experiences. Uh, do you think there's anything to that? I wonder about that because so there's not 
really a history of, of, of Hodgkin lymphoma or, or lymphoma at all mm-hmm. in, in my family. Um, and the doctors weren't really able to give me any information about where it, like, not where it came from. Like, they're not magicians either, but like, they were like, you know, you could have had this when you were young and it just started to grow really, really fast. Um, or it could have just started to grow really, really fast in the past year. Cause I spent about a year having like horrific chest pains. Um, and, um, Hodgkin's grows very, it's a fast growing cancer. Mm. So that's one of the reasons why it can be easier to, to treat in people who are healthy because it breaks down faster as well, I guess. Um, but I, I wonder about that. Like how long was I sick and and never had any symptoms and didn't know, or was I always like a little bit like frail? You know, I, I Mm -hmm. don't know. Yeah. I was kind of, I was a very sensitive kid. So, um, I would, I would be open to the possibility of that for sure. Well, as you go through your studies, and, and certainly you're a lifelong, I think, uh, researcher and, and a person of interest uh, as as we are, uh, take notice of those stories. I just another one I think was Orfeo Angelucci, who had a very uh, significant uh, life experience with. Uh, outer space beings as he saw them uh, but he was also uh had a childhood illness and so it's just not that it, you know it not certainly probably a majority but uh, a lot of people it seems that that's that's not an uncommon factor but uh, the, the other thing i was going to mention here uh, before we get started is you could see our my woodland friends here and i just want to give a shout out because i quickly uh you would not like to see me pull the curtain behind the uh the emerald uh you know was it the Wizard of Oz here? And that uh, it's it's kind of uh, deflates the uh, the mood and the feeling here. Uh, but I just want to give a shout out to Amanda Hughes. This is uh, her photograph, and her uh, uh, her label or brand is Adorable Activism. And this is a uh, I think this comes from the Ferguson Valley in Western Australia. So anyway, but uh, you could see that uh, these types of gnomes are everybody knows about, and uh, they're very uh, you know generally. Uh, sought or seen as very friendly, maybe a little mischievous. Uh, you want to treat them right. They'll take care of you and your garden. And so, uh, and maybe ward off the things that are much worse. Uh, but what is your f- first experience with something? I'm not going to say it's gnomes, but it's something small and uh, mysterious coming into your life. Oh boy. So, um, Yeah. So let's get into it. Whew, this, now I need like my, my 1100 pages of notes that I took about. Like, oh, all right. don't, consult your notes if you want to. Yeah. Just, um, we're just having a friendly conversation here. That's right? what we always, we always it's say. It's hard yeah. to know where to start. Cause I want to say like, Oh man, when I was a kid, you know, I love gnomes, but I, I don't know if I did. Like we, we were talking a little bit about like um, hmm. some influential TV shows and stuff like David, the gnome was a, a show that I watched when I was a kid. Um, my mom had a book about gnomes. I, I, sorry, oh, just no. just quickly. Uh, yeah. Just I I'd never come across that, and I was surprised I didn't. You know, it's like everybody else. Uh, when you're a kid, you only watch the TV that uh, that's syndicated in your your local area here, and that that never came on. But it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I just want to make a note that before we forget. I haven't heard of it either. I'm looking now yeah. on Wikipedia. I, David yeah. the gnome, and it's like mm-hmm. this is no schlock production. It was voiced by America's dad, Tom. Uh, Let's see here. Hold oh, it's Tom Bosley. What? Tom, it was Tom Bosley, Bosley. Yeah, from from yeah. Happy Days, and uh, narrated yeah. by Christopher Plummer. And uh, when Amelia mentioned that to me as a, as an influence or something that 
kind of informs how you think about these things, especially as a kid. Uh, there were two things I just—I watched a, a little bit of the uh, the one episode, and it's, it's quite well done. It's very kind oh, of oh yes, I would, now animation. I recognize him, and now he recognizes Sorry. it. But yeah, uh, now, now I'm looking at just, the images, like I read to recognize it. Yeah. There's before we get started talking about this, there there were two things that kind of struck me. And uh, and the first, and then we'll let. Uh, sorry for interrupting you, Amelia, but we'll get back to no, uh, the idea of it. And that is, you might think it's a silly uh, children's uh, animated series, but uh, there are two things that struck me. One is uh, Christopher Plummer's the narrator saying, uh, "What you never seen a gnome? Well, they're all around us. Just take a closer look." And that that is the thing is that we don't notice because we're not looking and we're not paying attention. And sometimes that uh, we're forced to. And then sometimes it's just that uh, I don't want to see this. I'm not going to see it. And you don't. Uh, the other thing is that uh, where they are. And I thought this is it's, it was kind of nicely poetically uh, philosophical in that uh, he says something like uh, they leave just before we arrive and are there just after we've left. So. It's like, why, why don't I see them? Because there is some rule or something where they're just like, they're there when you're not. And then when you are there, they, they disappear. And uh, it's like the, uh, the Michigan J frog. It, it sings when you're alone when you can bring it to other people, it shuts up. And then you look like a, you look a, like a nutcase. But, uh, but anyway, getting back to that, it's like, there was something that was um, when you were a kid, you saw that. And do you think that that uh, is going to inform anything, your that childhood notion of what this little thing is supposed to be? So I don't know, because what I saw did not look like David the Gnome, but what mm. my uncle saw almost exactly looked like David the Gnome. And I don't think my uncle uh, knew about David the Gnome either. Um, you know, and I, my, my grandparents always had the little lawn gnomes and I was always weirded out by them. Um, my, my mom had a book called Gnomes, which I did find on Wikipedia. It's like this really like, like a biology book about gnomes that was written for children. That's like, it was very, if you can get your hands on a copy of it, it's really wild. And mm. so I was, but I wasn't, I was just sort of like low key interested in the topic. And then when I was, when I was collecting stories around 2011 for Maryland ghosts, my uncle, my uncle Bernie, sent me just a stack of handwritten um, stories. He was like, oh, where should I begin? He was like, I'll send you all of them. He's like, I, there, a lot of them happened in Pennsylvania. Some of them happened when he was stationed in Vietnam. Uh, you know, Ooh. some of them are from Maryland. I'll send you everything I have and you'd use whatever you, you can use. A lot of them were, um, a lot of them were ghost stories from throughout his life. Um, and then tucked ever so neatly and unassumingly into the pile were these two stories about, about him seeing these gnomes. I did some preliminary research and I was like, okay, like, you know, gnomes in folklore, like elementals, sprites, yeah. elves, um, duendes, aloosh yeah. is a word yeah. I've heard before, but only knew how to spell it since as of this week and realized that that's what that is. But like a lot of- I learned um, how to spell it uh, an hour ago. So right. Yeah. <laughs> Folklore <laughs> from around the world. Most yeah. uh, cultures, independent of each other, have some type of elemental being. Fairies, duh, of course, fairies mm -hmm. as well. Like um, have some type of being. And a lot of them, what's interesting is like not all like demons in various- types of folklore don't all don't necessarily behave the same or have the same sort of relationship, you know, within the context of a religion or a folklore mythology. But like a lot of times these little, these little 
we folk, um, the small people and whatever they are, the um, puck, puck wedgies, I mean, we've heard all these names, um, tend to have the same kind of behavior, that sort of trickstery, like um, coming and going, can be good or bad yeah. type of type of like vibe to them. And not good or bad. Um, I don't actually really believe in that spectrum of good and bad, that sort of like uh, fundamental, like iconic battle of good and evil and all that. I think there's just like a spectrum of, of being that these things are on. So, um, anyway, I learned a, a lot about gnomes when I was, it, it, I read this story and I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is insane. Like I can't, I love my uncle and I believe him and I believe the <laughs> yeah. story, but I didn't, I was like, this is just so out of left field. Um, so I will share his descriptions. I'll read those descriptions to you before, you know, as we, as we wind up with this, because there's so much better than uh, how I could tell them. So um, I decided to include them in the book. One of them takes place near Frederick, Maryland, uh, which is where I went to school at Hood College in Frederick, Maryland, which is by Fort Detrick. It's between, mm-hmm. it's near Camp David, it, relatively geographically. It's between Baltimore and DC. There's Maryland is rich uh, in folklore, you know, and UFO stories and creature stories oh, yeah. and like, you know, things released from uh, proving grounds and stuff like that. So um, anyway, the other one takes place, I think, in somewhere in Pennsylvania, but I had to include that too, because how often do you have the opportunity to hear these gnome stories? So, all right, this is his story from the second edition of Maryland Ghosts. Paranormal Encounters in the Free State. All having right. some problems there, Ed. Hold the book up again. We'll, uh, oh, Scott, we, we can have links to, in the background. He's trying to do yeah. now. Now, I just do my why is it me, list. Ed? I'm not <laughs> holding the book. Come on, man. The mechanic is our uh, technical director. Uh, yeah. Ed. It's but, but, what can wait? No, no. Uh, can, hold on. Ed hold on a second. It's like he can't make her full frame. Wait, I bet I can do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, he may not have control of this session. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Talk to be front and center. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. And, and Scott, we'll have uh, with, our, with our posting, we will have links to anything that yes. she's uh, talking about, right? Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right. So here he goes with his story. I was traveling west on Route 70, heading for Altoona, Pennsylvania, to visit mm-hmm. my wife, Deborah, sometime in the fall of 1996. It should be also stated that he has like a photographic memory. Like mm. he tells the same stories over and over again with the exact same details. He remembers dates, names faces unlike anybody I've ever known. So when it sounds like some of these details are too on the nose, this is who he is as a person. This is across the board. Oh, that's that's important because Scott, uh, he picks, that's the first thing he picks out is that this is too you know, on the when nose. you're like, how did you, yeah, packed. like my yeah. second grade teacher on June 17th, 1962 or something. You're like what? Wow. So yeah. yeah. Um, there are railroad tracks all around Hagerstown, which earned it its nickname, The Hub, from the old coal and lumber days of the late 1800s and early 1900s. As I approached the part of Route 70 West, where railroad tracks pass under the highway, I noticed something down in the knoll by the tracks. I slowed down. There was no traffic behind me. There, sitting on the knoll, was a man of childlike proportions. <laughs> his head and nose were large, his body small, sitting hunched over, resting his forearms and elbows on his knees. I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because it gives me like 
chills. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> he was dressed in childlike clothing with long-toed slippers, tights, a long shirt with a waist belt or rope, and he had a dark blue hat that reminded me of Peter Pan's hat. Hmm. I could not believe my own eyes and wished I had a camera. His eyes seemed large and brown, yet a bit sunken due to his high cheekbones. His hands seemed unusually long for his size, fingers folded, yet he had large knuckles. I noticed him noticing me as he glanced to his left. Remember, my vehicle was moving very slowly at this point. I tried not to make eye contact with him. I didn't want to disturb him and, of course, didn't want to wreck my vehicle. But then it happened. Our eyes made contact, and he, the gnome, was gone in a flash completely vanished. I could not resist. I had to stop and investigate. Upon my arrival at the knoll, I went to the exact spot he had been. I noticed patches of grass were matted down and a few acorn shells were lying about. I shared my sighting with Deborah when I arrived in Altoona, but as you can imagine, I don't think she believed me. <laughs> so this other one happened the same year, it seems. Oh, no, no, 10 years later. So this was in 1996. His next and presumably final encounter was in 2006. Um, where am I? Okay. My next experience with such a being happened in 2006 near Sanker Town outside of Altoona, Pennsylvania. I was hunting deer on the McNeil farm on Crescent Mountain with a friend. The morning was very cold and we had a light dusting of snow. We had seen some very nice bucks during preseason scouting using this trail a lot. Around 8 a.m., I could hear something moving down the trail in the woods behind us. I was prepared to see a deer travel in range, but I was quite surprised. What appeared was a gnome, and he's using quotations, similar in all traits to the gnome I described in the other story. I never took my rifle off safe. I couldn't imagine shooting it. The little person got to within 15 yards of me, and he either saw me or smelled me, I don't know which, in a flash, he ran faster than any human or any animal I have ever seen. He actually became a blur as he kept on the trail. I looked over at my friend who was staring at me. Did you hear that? Mike asked in a low voice. Did you see anything? Yes, I replied. Not only did I hear it, but I also saw it. And you are not going to believe me when I tell you what it was. Mike had heard the approaching noise and had seen my body language as I had prepared for what may have been a nice buck. He heard the sounds getting louder and faster, yet he never saw the gnome. Wow. Did, uh, was there some element that you think you told me that, uh, it was Mike that saw, he did, he didn't see the creature, but he saw like leaves kick up. Yeah. Like he's, he's this sort like, of this like a cartoon. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, was just completely, uh, puzzled by it it was like a, this is the sudden gust of wind um to him uh, right. whereas my uncle bernie was seeing this person sort of like having a jaunt along the pathway is, is uncle very, bernie is he a blood relative of yours yes yeah, so he, okay. yes he's my mom's oldest brother okay of five children okay and uh he was in Vietnam in 1977 to mm -hmm. 78, I believe. Okay. And his health, so he had paranormal experiences prior to that. Mm -hmm. He had paranormal experiences during that. And then his paranormal experiences escalated after that. He refers to himself as a haunted person. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he had a total 
he had like a full immune system breakdown in like the early nineties from the agent orange. Mm. And that's when, uh, things got really psychedelic for him. And I think it's easy. People have said to me before, well, like, you know, again, that whole, like, Oh, okay, well that would be a reason why it's not real. He's uh, seeing things he's hallucinating. And I think that's a real shame. Um, I think that's a shame to, to believe that that would be true. Um, uh, if anything, I would believe that those would enhance his, his experiences. And like to what you were saying earlier about yeah. like the sickness, you know, opening right. your mind to things, but, um, but yeah, so he's, he sees, he's the kind of person who might see spirits or, you know, and feel spirits everywhere he goes, but he had some UFO encounters when he was a kid, uh, as did my aunt, but this was unprecedented. Just this yeah. random sort of these two gnome stories. Well, as we talked about before, I think we uh, maybe started getting uh, a recording, uh, or, or maybe it's in it, that uh, the phenomenon is now uh, enveloping all disciplines and genres of, of people. Yeah. As you said before, it's like, well, yeah, we're Bigfoot people, these gnomes, that's silly. <laughs> like, we're right. into the giant human-like apes. Right. But it's all, it's just, there are so many stories now, again, because people are opening up and able to talk about them or feeling like they can is that you're hearing all these different stories and they, they may not all be true. People might be misremembering or conflating things or uh, filling in the blanks when they're, or just outright fibbing. Of course, that's a possibility, but you're hearing all these different strange things that, uh, you know, I mean, they're maybe they're pat, they're on the nose, but it, they're just so out there, as you say. Uh, and people I, are like, that's what <laughs> happened. And then you start to see all these elements like, well, there, there was a UFO, but then I did see a little gnome-like guy yeah. uh, right after this thing uh, went over the hill, you know, like then, this giant cigar. And then, or there's a Bigfoot or like all these other weird things are happening within And it's this. not just like that one dude that you know that has that weird story. All of a sudden, it's like a lot of people have had these experiences. Yeah. A lot of people have seen these things. And it's just people don't bring it up. They don't. I didn't talk about like what happened to me. I didn't talk about it at paranormal mm -hmm. conventions because I was like, they're going to make fun of me or think yeah. that I'm, you know, a nutcase. Right. I had told the story once to a group of people, and they laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed like a laugh track. And uh, I thought, I don't know if I want to go this route again because I, you know, this was a big deal. So. Um, it, this leaked into my life in a way that I didn't mm -hmm. expect where, uh, you know, I was working on the book, really spooking myself when I was typing up these stories and then typing up all the research and stuff that I had done. And I had come home one day to my apartment. I lived alone, um, with my dog, Oscar, um, who is now 16 years old. Um, oh. Jim I heard him tippy tapping. We, we can hear the tapping around him, yeah. that little clickety yeah, yeah. clack. Yeah, yeah. My dog um, sounds the same way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I came home one day from work to this to the stack the stack of papers that my uncle had sent me. Burnt. My uncle Bernie had sent me was sitting under some other books on top of my desk, which is way too tall for Oscar because he's a little rat terrier Basenji mix. Um, and he was just, you know, chilling on the bed and these papers that had these stories were flung everywhere, flung everywhere all over the apartment. Um, as if somebody had come in and just threw them into the air, mm. to make it rain. And, uh, I was really weirded out by it. I thought, and the books that they were under were still stacked neatly as, as they had been. So unless Oscar was learning like magic tricks, 
I don't know how he could have pulled them down off of the desk, you know, out from under the books without moving them. And uh, there were a couple, I don't think I included this in my email because I'm not exactly sure what the detail is, but he had gotten into them. Like he had chewed the stories up a little bit. He (laughs) chewed a little hole in the center of the gnome stories. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, this is just Mm. really uncanny. Um, And I, you know, I put them back. I chalked it up to his, you know, his dog, that it was him at the time. And then uh, I was like, that's just, that's strange. Sometimes I think when people have those strange encounters where they're just like, well, I guess I'll go to sleep, you know, or Mm. I guess I'll pour a glass of wine, right? I think like weird stuff happens. Your brain doesn't know what to do. So you just don't do anything. Um, So I just went about my life and thought, well, that heck, I'm writing a book about ghosts. I've got a little bit of paranormal activity here. There's only, you know, that's the other thing though with, you know, we, we talk about paranormal apathy, which I think Forrest already mentioned, but the that idea of just kind of going to sleep or whatever. But there, the other, the flip side of that is what else can you do? Like, what are you going to do? Who, you know, or you, or yeah. you can't, it's not like you can call Dan Aykroyd to come over with a trap. You know, it's like, there's, there's, there's a limited amount of investigating and inquiring. You can't even have a conversation. I mean, you can start and you break out all kinds of paranormal gear and Frank's boxes and try to do that stuff, which takes time and everything else. But generally, something that unexplainable happens in your presence. What course of action can you take? Right. You know, it's, and then, yeah, it's, I agree. It, it, sorry. <laughs> no, it's OK. I, I, I don't have another thought, really. I, I'm just now like, yeah, what are you what are you going to do? Right. Unless like, you're gonna break out a bunch of gear, you know, call like. I've called my mom before when I was really spooked about something, but then again, that's just sort of like, uh, people aren't always available. People aren't always going to believe you. You don't believe what you've seen. You're not sure what happened. What do you do? Right. Just go, just go about your day. Yeah. I would Um, just suggest, uh, if if anybody does have something like that, just write it down immediately. Um, yeah, because yeah, the uh, details will fly out of your head a lot of the times. The details do, and yeah. and I you you can tell us about this uh, or how you feel about it. Is that I think that maybe later on. Well, I know I I know people on the other uh, end of this is that you may want to relive or have those details again. And then I I was going to say I know other people who are just like I don't ever want to think about that again. Right. And they don't want any details. They want to forget it as soon as possible, depending on the type of experience they had. But then I do know other people that were like, yeah, you know what? I should have I should have made some notes. It's been so long ago. I mean, it was so kind of traumatic. Like, yeah, you you forget yeah. different details. That's why uh, Uncle Bernie's uh, I, I love that account and the description and his trait of having a photographic memory because it's also part of the experience. Because yeah, I can picture it, you know, the like, guy's. He's probably eating some acorns right. and he's just got his, uh, el- you know, his, his elbows on his knees and just uh, with a little waistcoat and the, and the belt. It's it's almost too it's too much. But he's, Uncle, you know, Uncle Bernie is not uh, making up stories. I mean, he's presenting this as this really happened as as all right. as are all of these stories that he's given you. Right. He's are right. These are things that he's claiming that are totally true. Yeah. And they're all, you know, for him, they're all very personal and profound. A lot of them contain different details of his childhood or a connection that he had with um, his parents, my grandparents, or just other elements of things that brought in this really idyllic sort of like, this is his worldview of how, you know, 
life was. You know, this happened to me in the 1950s. And then my mm-hmm. mom chain smoked. My mom saw the cigar shaped UFO and then she chain smoked for the rest of the afternoon, got up, made a full meal and he'll describe the meal and the watermelon <laughs> they ate. And then, you know, and like, uh, uh, and then we said, we told stories and it was, it was a chilly day and the sunset was beautiful. And then he paints you this whole picture and you're like, yeah. this is actually an incredible, this is an incredible memory. It's right. not just the, it's not just the paranormal experience kind of. So I appreciated having that from like a family story perspective as well what uh what is he still with us yeah wonderful i got i got worried when you mentioned agent orange and and, um is what what happened in vietnam that was paranormal for him so he wow um he i should have prepped that ahead of time too um but I have those stories, you know, if anybody's interested too, I can share them out with people. Okay. Um, oh, and before I forget, I wanted to say too, with the, some of the details that he shared in the gnome story about places and, you know, roads, I'm just curious if people out there who see this or, or whatever uh, have anything to add to it. I'd really be curious. Yeah, um, I always, Forrest, he makes fun of me. I always, um, I always get onto Google Earth and start looking right all around where, yeah. wherever well, we, stuff is taking place. Yeah. We have plenty of listeners. In fact, our, our own Tess is from the Delaware, D.C. area. And, uh, you oh, know, cool. I think uh, so there are I'll bet there are people out there. We usually get an email. It's like I know exactly the road they're talking yeah, about. Like, and, um, you know, I, I go hunting in Sankertown, Pennsylvania, yeah. too. And I saw something where, you know, I just. Yeah. So yeah. I'd be really curious. But um, yeah. I have no idea what the question was anymore. You asked. Oh, I was asking what what <laughs> oh, Ernie paranormal oh, experiences he had in uh, in he, Vietnam. Oh yeah, um, some of them were a little more. Um, some of them were more symbolic, like him finding a, a medal in a well that stayed with him for years until he lost it. Uh, you know, in a in a certain way. But there were other ones where he was with his. Um, platoon i guess and uh there were there were more people with them on this night of fighting than were actually in the platoon and he mm. felt that it was the spirits of some of their other fallen comrades and like oh, wow. uh some things that uh, he had like some interesting sixth sense um experiences where he knew that something was going to happen mm-hmm. at a certain time so he told his like lieutenant about it and the lieutenants in his stories sound exactly like they do in the movies where they're really rough and tough rough and tumble gritty sort of like <laughs> Messino I think you're crazy but you know what we're going to listen to you so we're not going to go to this one part of yeah. the forest we're going to stay away from that and then lo and behold there was an ambush in waiting or mm-hmm. um oh, wow. you know things like yeah. that so yeah really neat, um, really neat stories. And then, yeah, he had a very profound, um, sixth sense about, uh, about surviving there in those, in those situations in the war, but then also outside of that. I, well, if you're, if you're going to have any kind of gift and that's where you are, that's the one to have for sure in that circumstance. So, well, what about the story about you that starts off with you folding the laundry. Yes. So yeah. this leads us to the, the, the big, the big thing, the big parts, the big happening. So all of this is going on and I'm just continuing to live my merry little life. And, uh, I, you know, working, working on the book, working, writing, And one day I was folding laundry. Um, I lived in a little tiny studio apartment, but I had this nice walk-in closet that was across from the bathroom, small bathroom. From the vantage point of me standing in the closet, looking into the bathroom, I could see part of the bathroom floor and the bathroom rug. Um, The 
radiator, you know, old radiator in the old Chicago bathrooms. Um, and oh, like, yeah. part of, you know, part of the shower curtain. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, I was just putting laundry away. Um, I was just dying. For, this, this story is dying for like an underpants gnomes um, joke, <laughs> but no underpants were taken. Uh, right. And thinking nothing about anything paranormal whatsoever. And I just see something in the corner of my eye in the bathroom and I look up and I look directly at this little gray being that is walking in a very cartoon like manner about three steps is all I would was able to see sort of into past the radiator and then gone. It was uh, probably a foot and a half tall, shorter than the radiator. Um, I don't want to make a connection between this being and Walter. I just find it funny that this being was dressed in a similar way. It was, mm. it was completely gray, but with different shades of gray so that I could see all the textures in its clothing, little button up with suspenders and like, uh, like, um, overall type of outfit maybe. And, um, I don't, I didn't notice anything about hair. There was no hat. There was no pointy hat. Um, and, and again, not really a face or, a, or like the, just no face, just a blank, just a blank space there. And it just, it disappeared. And so there was like a millisecond delay where I was apprehending what, what that was. And then, and then this is very uncharacteristic of me. Um, you don't know me, but just trust me when I say this would not be how I would think I would react in this situation. I became enraged. I walked out, I ran out of the, the, closet and I sat down on the edge of the bed and I like grabbed my knees and I said you get the f out of here like really loud and Oscar perked up when I yelled but he didn't do anything I think he was just laying on the bed chilling doing his Oscar things which was probably taking an eight-hour nap <laughs> and so he may have not even been awake when this was happening but I specifically remember he reacted not at all to this this sense I had that same yeah. I got that static feeling all over me um it lingered. It didn't, it wasn't a good feeling. Like when I had seen Walter and I felt like the whole world became brighter, you know, and more colorful. This was like something, this was bad news, bad news bears, not good. Mm. Um, you know, I shouldn't have seen it or it obviously it shouldn't be here or I shouldn't have seen it. Um, and I felt like I was like shaking a little bit. And then I was like, you have to just, you have to leave. You have to leave. I don't remember what I said, but it was something along those lines where I was just like, go screaming expletives. Um, and then I started to feel a little bit better and I immediately connected it to the stories that my uncle had sent mm -hmm. me. And I was just thinking like, what is going on here? I'm just writing, writing a book of ghost stories. This is not, um, not what I bargained for, I guess. Like, it's like the book is coming to life. Right. Yeah. But, um, Plus, a gr little gray man is in your space. It's not What's like that? your uncle is yeah. driving by and you're driving by. He's, you know, his his territory is nature. And so he's allowed, uh, you know, right? <laughs> in, the, in the Shire. But you, he you is, don't want anything. Yeah. He was like strolling like he had somewhere to go. And it was this yeah. very cartoon, like sort of like almost mocking kind of. That's what's interesting for me. This is fascinating mm. is how they appear 
in a way that is very cartoonish, that yeah. sort of looks like something I would have seen in a Disney movie. Um, do they do that uh, on purpose to mess with us or do they do it to make us less afraid? Cause I've had experiences right. where I felt, or I've had people tell stories where they felt that um, something was trying to approach them in a way that would seem or feel mm -hmm. familiar, but it was kind of, kind of lost in translation because they don't really know how to relate to us and maybe right. they're trying or something, but then it's, then it's weirds you out even more. It's like even more psychedelic. So um, it, I don't it's the high ho march, you know. Hi ho, it was, hi -ho. I'm telling you. But that's oh. it, I do also wonder is uh is that just what people for millennia have seen? And that right. gets trans. That's just what they literally look like. That's just what they do, and that's that's how they dress. And so, right. and maybe they change okay, it up so every thousand years, but I've been from the Middle Ages, you know. Periodically, you know, I like to consult. So and from the book collection, I'm consulting the Chambers oh, Dictionary yeah, of the Unexplained. Say, that's just his oh, go-to. Okay, all yeah, right. One of my favorites, um, which I always, you know, I think about like Tobin Spirit Guide. But mm. the it's funny. I, I got this down a few minutes ago when you were first talking about um, your Uncle Bernie. And I just opened it up. I was going to look up gnomes. And I could not find like specifically the word gnome in here or in my Mary Ellen, Ellen Guiley Ghosts and Spirits book. I couldn't find gnomes, but when I first took this book down, you were talking about Bernie and you said he considers himself a haunted person. And uh, the page it opened up to randomly when I opened it said haunted people. Just that <laughs> happened. There but I didn't go. want to interrupt you while you were talking. And I was like, yeah. OK. But just now, it like literally that was the wow. heading at the top of the page it opened up to. Mm -hmm. And then um, just now I was looking, OK, <laughs> gnomes, little people. Yeah. 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 And then so yeah. I've got – I got here this section on little people, one of the many euphemistic terms used to refer to fairies in order to avoid the bad luck caused by naming them directly. Mm -hmm. In folklore, it is considered very unlucky to refer to the fairy folk directly since to use their name might summon them. Don't come around here. And then also some people believe that they do not like being referred to as fairies. Either way, it is thought to be safer not to use the word fairy. Of course, they put it in here 50,000 right, so times. So I'm, are you saying um, it? <laughs> when speaking of them, it's like the gin. And instead, a wide range of euphemistic phrases such as the little people or little folk are employed. See also, uh, and this is uh, Celtic, Dawin Day. I don't know how to uh, – it's D-A – for us, maybe you know this. D-A-O-I-N-E. S I D H E. Probably it's probably going to be said like Dwajida Shida. Dwajida. Yeah. So I went over to that. And just to your point, Force, what you just said for that Irish or Doin Day or Seed. Here come the. That's right, Ed. Yes. Yeah. Here come the emails. Yeah. from everyone from Southern Wales on up to John O'Groats. Let me just. Here, I'll pop it into Forvo. You think it's in there? Probably not, right? Um, no, but uh, Scott, while you're thinking of that and doubling up, uh, what's the other story that we wait? Don't go yet. Don't go forward okay. yet. Okay, wait. Here okay. it is. Here it is. Here it is. Um, I'm listening to it in my head. Say it. Say it. Forvo is going to tell me what it is. Okay. Dweeny she. Dweeny she. Why wasn't that far off? Yeah. <laughs> in <laughs> Irish folklore,s the remains of the divine fairy race of Ireland, the Tuatha de Danann who were forced to take refuge in the hills after the country was conquered by the Milesians and dwindled into the diminutive little people. Huh. Irish folklore tells of a once divine fairy race, the Tuatha de Danann, who were as tall as humans, if not taller. They lived in Ireland until the coming of the Gaelic Milesians, 
the fifth and last Celtic people to invade and settle in the country. And those who chose to remain in Ireland were forced to take refuge in the hills and mountains. Doini Shi, which forgive my pronunciation, mm-hmm. means literally people of the mounds. Mm-hmm. They developed the art of invisibility and since that time cannot be seen by mortals unless they choose to show themselves or the mortal either possesses second sight or smears a magical ointment on his or her eyes. The one mm-hmm. exception is Midsummer Night when ordinary mm-hmm. people may catch a glimpse of them. As time went on, there's only one paragraph left here. As time went on, they dwindled in size and became a, diminu- a diminu- diminutive race, which caused them to be known by another name, the Duane Bayega, B-A-G-A, B-E-A-G-A, or little people. They are ruled by King Finvara, or Finvara, F-I-N-B-H-E-A-R-A, high king of the Irish fairies and his beautiful wife, Unach, who hold court beneath the fairy hill of Nakma. They enjoy the field sport of hurling and also chess. Many a mortal man has bet and lost all his possessions playing chess against Finvara, who has never been beaten. They are merry but mischievous, and sometimes cruel to humans, so they must be dealt with carefully. They also love to hunt, and when they ride abroad on their snow-white horses, only the tinkling sound of their harnesses betray their presence. Ooh. That's interesting. I think that, uh, coincidentally, because we just did um, the Great Mull Air Mystery, I did uh, look up. It's not entirely. Well, it is a, it is a theory that I did not post uh, or posit during the show, but... There are uh, the legends of the pygmies of the uh, the Inner Hebrides uh, in in Scotland, the, the the smaller people that are kind of mean, and you don't want to you don't want to mess with them. And it's like, was that what uh, uh, Peter ran into uh, in his flight somehow? Is there something? Well, it's a very magical area anyway, and you do wonder though, as uh, and you- perhaps your your experience. Uh, I was going to say, Amelia, it's like you studying that. We've we've heard that before too especially even our most level-headed friends we know that are uh, very objective uh, troy taylor writing his book about uh you know the exorcist yeah. case having yeah it also papers moved around he comes back it's like i just laid down this chapter i just printed out like where the, and then it'll be in between a stack of books where he would never put it yeah, and one uh, of the Halloween stories we picked uh, mm-hmm. about the jailer was a uh, corrections officer. I don't know if you heard that, but he oh, had yeah. gone up. He left the locked office to go to the bathroom or something, and he oh, came I back. Saw and the it was the photo. Yes. Yeah, the and they were stacked. No, the, straight just, up. Yeah, yeah. She it was yeah the woman uh, who was or the it was correction somebody office. he worked with. That's right. Yeah, yeah. She, but she with, yeah. came in, and it's one of those secure things yeah. behind you know plexiglass at a, at a locked door, and it's uh, it's one of those impossible things. Were a loose stack of paper. Like I said, it wasn't just taken out of the. Yeah, uh, they were like the they couldn't do it once they took these it out. Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. be able to. Yeah, these papers That's, have gone through the printer. You know, they're all they're all a little loosened yeah. up, and they're just in a stack. So things like to mess with you, and like you don't know why if that's just a, a side effect of these things happening, or if it's a message, or just like you said, uh, things with the wee folk where it's just like they like to mess with you a little bit. They like, like to make you come back, and it's like, well, wait a second, that shouldn't have happened, and and just kind of like we're here, but you're never going to see us. But the other thing that, um, uh, you know, I was thinking of, well, first, Scott, you you think about this uh, while I ask is that uh, what other story did we come across that involved a Basenji? Um, that oh. was we recently <laughs> looked that up because I also oh, like the, the fact that Oscar, Andrea yeah. Perrin's dog was a Basenji, wasn't it? That's right. You're oh, right. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. That's right. 
Yeah, that Sorry, had a reaction. That's me but nerding no. out on the astonishing <laughs> legends. Does, does Oscar uh, bark? He does. He okay. does bark. He doesn't yodel. Unfortunately, his bark is is quite um, shrill. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the other fan moment I was going to mention was the whole episode y'all did on the, um, like the the elven people in uh, that pilots were encountering. That there's oh, this whole the gremlins, the gremlins. gremlins, yeah, yeah gremlins. This uh-huh. whole realm mm-hmm. of folklore that has to do with, um, you know, flight, human flight, and uh, you know, um, and it, it, well, aviation and also like sailing and the superstitions with that. And this is random, but even like, even like Rammstein has a song in German mm. about like elves, elves on a plane. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. So it's like these things. I like, am sick of these. Yes. Yeah. Hammer, <laughs> elves exactly. on this plane. Uh, um, no, that, that, these, they're, they're everywhere. Like the, of the air, of the land, of, like you said, the, of the elements. Yeah, man. I, it just now that this opened up again when I emailed y'all around Halloween and was thinking about this. And I was like, what, what hill do I want to die on? What my career is going to teeter on this moment of talking about gnomes. Do I really want to do this? And I was like, this is, it was like on the brain. And then ever since then it's kind of, uh, it's just gotten bigger and bigger and the plot, the plot thickens. Yes. Then there's even more to the story. But I, didn't plug in my computer before I started the interview. So I need 30 seconds to grab my. Sure. That's, that's fine. It's quite all right. Yeah. Uh, no, but Scott, those oh, gnomes. there you go. I, yeah, yeah. I saw this. I think, I feel like that might be in. Ed, who is a, uh, who is that illustrator? Because that is a famous uh, illustration there. Oh yeah. yeah. Cause I saw that one too. When I was searching the images, I can't remember who it is. Oh, he's popping in. Ed's popping in. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just I, uh, but I like the idea of have... summoning Ed. I mentioned his name and he appears. Yes, he appears. And he is kind of our genie, uh, yeah. our, our, oh, our personal genie. I can offer a series of wishes that won't come true. Uh, <laughs> just the ones you don't want. Yes. I don't know who who, but I felt like we should have a visual aid for the thirty seconds. No, I yeah. think like I said because that's <laughs> it's you. very. Uh, it's the belt. It's the the little tunic. The hat. It's all. Well, uh, this is the book Amelia was talking about. Yeah. It's like we. Weird biology of gnomes book right. from that I don't know, but yeah, see, uh, I feel yeah. like I feel like is that by because it feels so similar to my this one. I wonder it's by a, like what? a Dutch guy. I want to say or like uh, some yeah yeah. There was a Dutch illustrator. Cool. <clears throat> but you can cut all this. But interesting, uh, David the gnome situation. Uh, yes, I love David the gnome, and it's a it's like a uh, it, it's a Spanish cartoon based on like a a Nordic book or whatever. And the American show that I grew up on uh, was like, basically the dub was just do what you want. They just showed the footage to them and they were like, whatever story you think is the story. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, just own here and live read what you think is happening. (laughs) Well, that's, it it came, it's a great experiment. It came off well. And and the idea is that, uh, at least in the first episode, I think the very first one is that you do, they do explain the idea is that uh, we're here, we're friendly, we have to share this earth. There's, of course, a very much a component of of like the space brothers. No, you were talking uh, like, hey, don't screw up this world. We all got to live here. you start dumping garbage bags in our, our, you know, we might get upset. And so there's a, there is a, um, a real connection to the earth, but to Amelia's point about, uh, why, why her apartment near the radiator is, uh, you know, the most, uh, again, there's a great, uh, interview that uh, George Knapp did with, uh, you know, uh, 
Uh, I was going to say from Skinwalker Ranch, Doctor uh, Travis, or <laughs> yeah, Doctor Travis Taylor. Yes, oh, I mean, it's Ed's favorite. Is that yeah, it is. No, it's it's terrific. But it's just, basically, it's all the stuff that you don't see in the show. That's what we're saying about uh, you know do, doing a uh, MH370 series or a Halloween special is that you're constricted by format. And he said, like, there's a lot of weird stuff that they didn't show in, in the uh, in the series, and. Uh, you know, not to get into that, but he talked about uh, because this is part of it that is in the book Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, where they were seeing these phenomena. And we're talking about, you know, talk about uh, tough minded uh, lieutenants and, and uh, military people uh, who have seen a lot and don't put up with a lot of uh, baloney and will go home or they'll call their, uh, you know, they'll be they'll be at Skinwalker Ranch and they call their family at home. It's just like, yeah, honey, there was Stuff's a happening shadowy thing yeah. peeking out behind a tree, or we saw this giant, yeah. like a shadow of a, of a wolfman type thing run behind the bushes. Yeah. And uh, this is not while they, you know, it didn't follow them home. It's happening. Uh, Simultaneously. To, while to they're on their, their ranch, it's happening on the East coast. And on top of that, yeah. also happening to their children's friends. Yeah, they're people on the street. Stuff. It's it's they're seeing yeah. weird stuff, that like, and they didn't even know where dad, where their friend's dad was yeah. at that time. No, so so, so like you you wonder though nuts. what what are those connections? And so uh, George Knapp <laughs> asks uh, Doctor Taylor, it's like, well, what do you think is happening? He's like, well, you know, it's uh, quantum entanglement. That's is probably uh, the, the best that science is going to do. Um, you know, coming from an astrophysicist, is that uh, you have there is some kind of pinpoint connection that is opening up these channels. And maybe just like you said, that maybe that part of that folklore is true. You start studying them, you start saying their name. They also called uh, it a names. contagion. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's well, it's like, like a, a viral, viral thing. It. Yeah, that, it's a viral thing. But it doesn't require contact. It requires yeah. like psychic contact in a way. There is something there. So it's yeah. like you, like I said, just reading the stories, and that I don't people. You don't have to be afraid. I think it's very rare uh, that it happens. Certainly, all the uh, letters and emails we've gotten. Uh, it's a it's a very rare thing. That's why we're so excited to hear uh, yours and uh, your uncle's story because it, it's rarely is that uh, it goes on for that long or described in such detail. But people would say like, well, that you know, we, years ago we had one uh, where a uh, a girl uh, and her uh, boyfriend saw something in their apartment, and it was the same kind of thing. This little thing that ducked behind the coffee table. Mm. And they both it's like, did you see that? Like, yeah. And, and uh, you know, what she said, well, the only thing is that we're both native and uh, we believe that these things are possible. Maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, but in, and if this is too personal, certainly uh, you're not obligated to to tell us. But did something happen with a significant other uh, where they also saw something like this? Yes. So the the plot the plot thickens right after all this stuff is going on and i mentioned it to the person i was i was dating at the time um when i say dating i was in a very toxic relationship with somebody that went on for years not really because i wanted it to go on but because getting out of it was a took that long mm. um People out there will definitely know what I mean, especially young people who end up moving in with somebody out of like financial, you know, dependency. And then you get yourself into a mess. Um, so I was in a mess with this person. But there was a remarkable thing about him was um, he was from Mexico City. And I told him about this thing that happened to me and my uncle's stories. And he knew I was writing a book. And he was like, that's the, that's the darndest thing. Like, uh, 
you know, when I was a kid, his grandmother had grown up in the countryside, not in the city. He was like from the city proper. <clears throat> um, she had grown up more out, out in the country. And uh, she was like, yeah, you know, when she was growing up, they were surrounded by the, the little folk in the hills, right? I think he used the word duendes. Yeah. Uh, and she would tease him a little bit and say that she would see one around him sometimes, that he had one with him, but that he shouldn't be scared because it was good luck. And of course, when she was telling him this, probably when he was being bad as a kid, he was like six or eight years old and, you know, oh, don't worry. Oh, yeah, you've got this little duende that's following you around. I can see it. But, you know, oh, don't be scared. And then, of course, he was scared <laughs> and probably scared into like not behaving badly or whatever it was. But he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, my my grandmother uh, told me about this. And then I thought to myself, like, let me make sure I'm not missing a detail either. But I was just like, how bizarre. And so then I started to think that it's like, what are the chances that I'm uncovering these stories from my uncle? And then my boyfriend is telling me a about his, we're just casual. Everybody's just casually all of a sudden exchanging these like elf <laughs> and sprite stories. <laughs> um, and, uh, and again, you know, just to reiterate too, like I was in the, I came to all this through the mainstream ghost hunting community and the mainstream ghost hunting community was at the time in 2011, 12, 13, mm -hmm. and remains now. There's some, there's some big shifts going on that I'm really excited to see, but like very more narrow-minded than I think people want to believe, you know, people, the, the, uh, the debunking and everything, which I do believe, obviously it has its place. It had its place on television too. And um, a lot of ghost hunters would think they don't base their ghost hunting on television when they really do and not thinking outside of a very constrictive sort of um, prescribed method of doing things a certain way that has its place. It's an entry point. I was a debunker. I was like a chronic debunker. Um, even though stuff like this was happening to me, um, and uh, I was the kind of person who would uh, skeptical until proven otherwise. And I used to say that a lot. And I don't say that anymore because um, I don't want to be skeptical. I want to believe in the woo woo. I don't believe ghost hunting is science. It's not science and it's not religion either, but there's a little bit of everything. It's like a little bit of everything in between. And um, mm -hmm. so anyway, uh, it just, these stories just also weren't part of my my experience at the time, even though I was into like ghostly stuff. Um, so, yeah, so it, it, we have to, so we have to fast forward from this point a little bit because I moved out of that apartment, which um, was in Edgewater uh, for people who are curious as to where that was. I didn't have any other strange experiences there really. Uh, it was in Edgewater at near Foster and Sheridan for my fellow Chicagoans. And then I moved to Albany park which is a really cool neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I, but I lived um, near Kedzie and Lawrence and uh, above an abandoned restaurant in a, an apartment that had been completely rehabbed. Uh, but it was cheap. It was cheap. We were poor. It was not a good, it wasn't a good situation. It's hard for me to reconcile the fact that I love myself, but I let myself get into something that be, that was this bad, but, um, but he, he was an alcoholic and, uh, and an addict and, um, 
some of the people I've loved the most in the world have been alcoholics uh, in recovery and otherwise. So it's not that he just, he was just not a very good person. Um, and so framing around that, my, my life in some way sort of continued as not as normal, but like, I was still like, I was growing in my career. I was still writing. I was doing my thing and hiding this very ugly home life that I had. Uh, and it was kind of this weird, you know, classic, like when we finally broke up in like 2013 ish. Yeah. 2013. Um, everybody came out of the woodwork with their story about what a creep he was. I was like, why, why now? Why now? You know, please, please. I wish that, uh, I really wish somebody would have told me earlier. My best friend, I had a divorce from her husband. The first time I met him, he was weird. And I never told her these things just to be a, a, a dick to her. Um, I probably can't say that word. But like, you can. On the junk drawer, there's no rules. Okay. <laughs> I just, I, um, I informed her from the beginning as a caring person that I had grievances with this man. Yeah. Um, and if she would have decided to stay with him forever and ever, at least I had aired them, but I didn't, you know. Yeah. And, I was as diplomatic about it as possible. So when I had that situation, I was like, at least one of you could have just said something at the time. But, but there were a million red flags raining from the sky that I, and I saw them with my own eyes and I just went about my life. So this is part of the story in that uh, there was an escalating uh, tension in this apartment. Can we, are you, were you on Lawrence or Ketsy? Can we take a look at the, uh, do you think you could see it from street view? Like where you were? Oh yeah, so I lived above the Chicas. So if you keep keep turning, oh I saw Chicas. Yeah, keep going around there. <laughs> yeah, keep yeah. turning. It was uh, so. Um, you lived above a store. Lawrence. So that's Lawrence. Okay, so yeah. Lawrence and Kedzie. That is that's <clears throat> exactly what I said. Okay, so yeah. Oh, first of all, that little uh, grocery La Michoacan. Michoacan. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the best grocer in Chicago. <laughs> so, um, if you keep turning again, I, I know where we are now. Okay. Keep turning back on Lawrence and then go forward just a tidbit. And uh, the Chicas should be on this corner where this white building is on the left-hand side. Okay. By the family dollar. Oh, there yeah, there it is. is. Yeah. So, what is it, uh, quick, quickly, what is it like living above a store? Well, it was not, you know, it was quiet. It wasn't that loud. Um, In a way, I enjoyed it. So I had, you know, this was to me, this was the gritty city life that I came to experience because I was living, you know, in this kind of, it it was just, it was an experience. It was an Hmm. experience that you have in your mid-20s. Not now. Not as right. a married woman who's almost right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonathan I did and I have a very York. different yeah, lifestyle now yeah. than, <laughs> I, than I was willing to entertain before. That's a cool um, building. But I, I shopped there a lot. I mean, certainly <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> yeah. But the building was super cool. Super cool building. Um, the neighbor was a meth addict. And I'm not, mm. I'm not being sarcastic. The neighbor was a meth addict. Um, she had cockroaches in her apartment mm. that came into my apartment and infiltrated my life. I had bed bugs while I lived there. Oh my bed gosh. bugs is a whole other, there should be a yeah. pod- podcast just about bed bugs. Um, yeah. and yeah. there probably is, but, uh, 
she stabbed her boyfriend once like a dozen times and it was you know Mm. just the energy there was not great it was not a happy fun family light-hearted sort of place where you get your life together and make good decisions um and certainly not inside of the apartment that i was living at either and there was just this escalating tension it's so cool that we're like looking at it right now (laughs) (laughs) um this just escalating feeling of dread and some of it was paranormal. Oh, yeah. So if you turn here, so that, that's the entrance was not by Chica's. It's a little bit further down the way in the building, like right where that parking mm-hmm. sign is. Yeah. So see where it says space available. It was mm-hmm. abandoned when I lived there in 2012 and 13. Mm-hmm. And it did not look like that. It was like it was as if the fire or whatever had just happened and it was all still just like a ruin. Um, so that's where... Um, the corner, so not where the flag is, but on that corner there, yeah, the second floor corner, that would have been my apartment. Right up there. Got it. Um, That's crazy. So um, it, uh, a couple of things would happen there that, yep, that was my bedroom window and the bathroom Mm. window on the right, bedroom window on the left. On the second floor, right. Yeah, on the second floor. And uh, so some strange things did happen there. Um, I would hear a knock on the door. Several, you know what? That no tirar basura. Yeah, he spray painted that. You did? No, he, he did. He, he did. This person, the person in question, he yes, spray painted yeah. that because the building got bed bugs from a mattress that had been leaned mm-hmm. up against the building on the right outside. There, on oh the outside, and the bed bugs came in through the bathroom window. So that's a whole other, oh my gosh, that's another two hours of oh <laughs> story time. But yes, I had a Beatles B side. Yeah. It so, came yeah. In. So, you know, one, one way to solve a, a problem, you know, of, of ugly trash is to spray paint the entire side of a building. You right. Know? Right. So, like, this right is, yeah. These are the decisions that we're making. Right. Um, so, and that was our porch up there in that second floor, a little patio, um, okay. grill and barbecue out there and breathe in all kinds of dust. Mm. Um, it's much it's really cleaned up now <laughs> it's cleaned up even though it's still an alley it was not clean up at the time yeah um so it, i don't want to say every night but many times many nights in a week there would be three knocks at the door at eight o'clock the first few times it happened i was like that's weird isn't that uncanny doesn't that seem like something out of a movie and then I actually had a friend over. My friend Marsha Mack, who was a fellow um, paranormal enthusiast, was over one night, and we were just shooting the breeze. And the, there was a knock on the door, dun dun dun, at like eight o'clock. And I was like, "I'm telling you, that's it. That's what I'm talking about. It sounds like a person knocking, right? I'm not crazy." She and we went to the door, which is what I would usually do, casually, not thinking like, "Oh, I'm going to catch." this ghost in action or whatever, but just being like, is there actually somebody at the door? Because our meth addict friend would sometimes knock on the door. Um, and nobody was ever there. And the hallway was such that you, in the time it took me to get to the door, to peek through the the hole, there was nowhere for anybody to go where if it was a person, I would have seen him. Yeah. Yeah. I had, um, I've had night, I've had sleep paralysis at times throughout my life. For sure. I had uh, unprecedented sleep paralysis and night terrors at this apartment. Mm. One of them included me experiencing 
as if as myself, not not outside myself or in a dream world, but as myself in bed in that situation, hearing my own voice calling to me from the kitchen. And I was awake, like I was awake, Amelia, even if I was still in a dream state and there was, I didn't see it, but I could see it in my mind. And I knew as if there was a shadow. I don't remember if there was a shadow, but it was as if this shadow was coming down the hallway of a gnome figure standing in the hallway, calling to me in my own voice. Hearing my own voice calling to me was one of the scariest things that's ever happened to me. Mm. I could have been dreaming and it could be nothing. It could have been symbolic of the anxiety that I was having at the time. But it was one of the wildest things I've I've ever heard was my own voice sort of mock, like again with the mockery mm-hmm. of it. Um, and then things did come to a head with this person the violence escalated, the, the physical and just the, the trashing of things type of violence escalated. Um, really just bizarre stuff. And even with that, this none of these things weren't paranormal. Like, uh, you know, trashing the apartment wasn't paranormal, but it was another thing where I would just shrug my shoulders and start cleaning. You know, it wasn't, uh, I didn't call the police. I didn't call right. my... I did not tell my friends. I did not tell my parents. I did not talk to a counselor. Um, you know, I, I just cleaned up the mess and kept on chugging. Right. So, but anyway, um, things came to a head and I left, I left two weeks short of signing of re-signing the lease, which is how you can tell I was in such a rotten headspace that I didn't, I, the only way I was going to be able to leave without being homeless was if my friend Erica took me in and she agreed and I mean, it was a whirlwind. I was, she said, if you need any, if you need to stay with somebody, I did confide a few things in her, you, you know, you can come stay with me. And I was like, how about Wednesday? <laughs> and I ended up moving in with her and living with her for like a two, two or three years. And, oh, and we had a wonderful, great. we had, yeah. that was a he, a time of healing right? Um, for both of us. Cause we had both been, been deep down in it. And then I met Jonathan who just blows everybody out of the water and it's like nothing, none of that is even real prior to that, you know, so, um, sort of proud of myself that I left that behind. But, but anyway, if I hadn't moved in with her and I wasn't going to be homeless then, or unhoused or whatever, uh, then I would have had to stay there with him. And I went, I, my gut was like, you're done, Amelia, you're done. So I was still in contact with him because he was, he was non-functional. He was non-functional and there was nobody in the world who was going to help him get himself together and move out except for me. So I was still in contact with him. I was still helping him gather his things. I was helping him move and deciding where he could go and coordinating things with his friend. And in the couple of weeks that he lived in that apartment before, um, before he dipped out and we, you know, abandoned the whole thing. um, He was telling me that he heard little feet running back and forth on the, on the uh, hardwood floor every night and that he thought we could hear earlier. We could hear Oscar's little pitter patter of his little Mm. paws. Um, He thought it was Oscar, but then when he would, so Oscar was um, with me. So first of all, (laughs) right. Oscar wasn't there. So he was sort of in this sleep state. Um, I believe now that I'm thinking about it, that 
he had heard this once before when I wasn't home, but he was home and Oscar was with him in the bed. So he was awakened to these footsteps and thought Oscar was running up and down the hallway, but Oscar was there next to him sleeping. But in any case, Oscar was with me in my new place. And um, so he was like, yeah, but he said, he didn't say like, I heard Oscar running around. It was really weird. He said, um, little feet, you know, uh, mm -hmm. like the running of small feet, uh, almost like a scuttling. So. Interesting. It, uh, yeah, I started to rebuild my life after that. I did have other I did have other paranormal encounters in Erica's apartment. She had paranormal encounters in her apartment and she's mm. not a ghosty person at all. So she was super like geeked out on like Amelia, like what are your impressions? <laughs> um, but uh, mm. my life just changed completely. And the gnome stuff at that time uh, was over. It went away. So that was that, that was kind of like um, the story the story closed with that and it was just so bizarre. Uh, can we, can we see Oscar? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can hear he's, he's right there. He's, he's my hero. Yeah, he's, and, and he's ready for his close so up. I think. Yeah, let's He's ready. He needs to, he needs to pee and here I am. Uh, so. okay. okay. Well, don't, don't pick him up too forcefully then. Right. Uh, <laughs> so this oh, is, oh, now it won't let me solo. He's a, uh, so Oscar is yeah. the companion I've had longer than anybody else in my oh, life. Look at that sweet um, face. Other than Jonathan. So Jonathan's been, or yeah. Oscar's been my oh, roommate since 2008. Oh my goodness, you're killing me. <laughs> He's a really good boy. His breath is, smells so much like, like doggy butt. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's a really uh, good boy. Oh. He ne he's never, in all that though, he's never reacted to, um, well, certainly the one time. Well, you don't know because you weren't home Easy. when the papers were 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 fussed. But also the the you know the thing running by the bathroom. Uh, he was probably napping or something. He just he just like I said, if it was a small creature, I mean, this is He's, you know people think it depends on the dog. But like you know Scott's dog when I was when I was house sitting, we could be you could be in the living room and there's something in the backyard. It's like, how did you hear that? And she would just you know little Lou would just bolt down the uh, the hallway and go right to the window. I mean, you know, it's interesting you say that because, like, he can tell when Jonathan's getting on the elevator downstairs, yeah. you know, he starts to get excited. So my feeling is and he's never – we took him recently. We took him to the old Baraboo Inn. We did an overnight Scooby-Doo investigation, <laughs> and we brought him along, and he didn't mm – -hmm. he got on the couch and went to sleep and was like, whatever. <laughs> hey, I hate you guys. I want to go back to the hotel. Right. Um, and so either – my take is that either um, he's completely oblivious and just is not that kind of dog, or uh, maybe he sees stuff all the time and it's just, just doesn't totally, care. Yeah, it's like he yeah, doesn't care. Deal, right? Yeah. He's seen all the stuff that I don't right. see because apparently right. I'm yeah. surrounded by interesting things going on. Yeah. So he's just like, "Oh, this is just Tuesday around here." I, I don't know. <laughs> or option three is mine, and it's more uh, traditional uh, folklorish. Is that the little folk have a way with animals and a, yeah. and a spell they can kind of cast because they're small, diminutive, and they don't want to get ripped apart by uh, any kind of Basenji or or rat terrier or well terriers, yeah, any kind of thing that goes yeah, after. Yeah, terriers, right? They like to dig <laughs> like a, and uh, yeah, yeah. So it's oh. it's uh, you know maybe there's something to that if you believe it, but uh, there, and there's certainly 
you know, like I said, you you get uh, your close friends or just friends in a, in a circle and you tell these stories and they think you're joking and they start laughing. And uh, you go to you go to Iceland and they're like, yeah, <laughs> this is yeah, tell us right. something new. We so, don't build we don't build on that road. Like, yeah. yeah. They they just take it more seriously. But speaking of, be, we would be uh, remiss for not mentioning this. Speaking of uh, Mexico City, uh, yeah. recently President uh, Lopez Obrador, uh, Manuel Lopez, uh, sorry, uh, President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. There we go. Uh, the uh, yeah said uh, or claims that uh, he found a photo of an aluje, and I think it's L U. A-L-U-X-E. So I'm not sure if the X is silent or Aluxe, yeah. but I would think it's a, it, it is probably silent like an H. So Aluhe, which is a mischievous woodland spirit in Mayan folklore. So yeah, uh, so he tweeted been, that. Yeah. One and, thing uh, I love about this comparison photo is that even in this like ancient Mayan architecture, this little sprightly creature still looks, still has that look. Yeah. It's got the look. <laughs> yeah, well, the the in the carving there, yeah, exactly, yeah. with the hair, you know, the, uh, the 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 kind of the crazy hair and the uh, the hat. There's a mischievous, yeah, impish, very impish. Yeah, and then there's the thing in the tree, in insulting yeah. way, but like okay, uh, so the the here we did a little work on this on this on the thing in the tree. Um, um, I'll ask the mechanic if he can find the article that I asked to translate. To uh, ask Google Translate to um, turn to English because yeah, this one. All right, this this one here. It's uh, so that image is two years old, according to somebody. One of the Twitter commenters said, mm -hmm. oh, "No, this is from two years ago." Uh, not that I think anybody thought that the president took the photo. But, <laughs> no, he but, never he never stated that it was uh, right. So as as he says, an engineer uh, taken on uh, working on the road. Uh, but here's you know, like I said, yeah, scroll uh, down a little bit. Yeah. yeah, so let's see. Captured by a man named Juan in a tree in a park located in Citricatores neighborhood in the aforementioned Royal Municipality. After capturing the supposed witch, Juan did not – this is bad translation, by the way. Juan did not hesitate to publish the incredible image, and netizens wrote different comments, most of them mocking and even made memes. The, the image shows a silhouette with a slim complexion, a kind of turban on his head, and stares at the camera. What, what was funny is that uh, we see this all the time is that people are so certain. Well, it, it, I mean, look, oh, is there two shots there? Sorry. Yeah, there's right. There's a yeah. there's a second shot. First yeah. of all, I'm not sure. Like I said, if somebody says it's two years old, it could very well be if they find the same thing. A lot of times people will just say that and not have any have any proof. I We didn't. It's not worth digging. No, that but this article it, but, is two years old. That, yeah. This one here. That's so we right. know it's at least that old, but we don't right. know if it so, was older or newer after that. Right. So the uh what I was gonna say though is that uh it's just funny that people uh, there was one Twitter comment and just said uh, oh it's a raccoon with a bag on its head. It's I like, saw that comment. Uh, okay, I guess <laughs> yeah, they could have a you know, they get into stuff. They certainly uh there's a reason they're called uh, trash pandas, they get into stuff. How likely that is that uh first of all, it doesn't look like I, I've seen plenty I got raccoons probably right now in my yard. Uh, is that it? Uh, I don't know what it is, but it's not that. So uh, yeah, you do wonder, yeah, though. Good, those are good uh, ones there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are pretty good. But like you do wonder is it's like it may not be an aluhe, uh, but it's it's something. And I don't think it's uh, it doesn't seem natural or it's just I yeah. mean, it could be an animal at a weird angle. But uh, that's certainly part of uh, like I said, uh, we we've just recently been we've been in the territory here of the Mayans and the Nazcans. Yeah, uh, and uh, 
with you the, know, the what, Windows, the I've heard people say Alouche, and I never knew what that oh, meant. I think that's what I think that is, be. or if uh, that's what these are also. Um, it could be yeah, more, yeah, because it is A L U X. That would make sense. I selfishly, I just it was incredible to me that like this article popped up this week when I knew I was going to be talking about this. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it came across my Google, like on my phone. Like if I like Google will read my thoughts, if I talk about something <laughs> or if I, you know, or stuff that's related right. to my searches, but yeah. I hadn't done anything with this at the time. And it just like popped up and I was yeah, like, and then what it blew are up. the chances? Yeah, yeah. It blew up on the internet and we were scheduling this um, originally we were going to record. What were we going to do? We were going to do Monday. Was that right? I can't remember. Yeah. That was and like Monday, the day it came out. And Monday I had Tuesday, to delay because yeah. of some family stuff. And yeah. so it, it's, it was actually even more aligned. It was, than, yeah. And yeah. I did want to mention the other, the thing that I remember as my all time, this I didn't mention at the beginning is funny, but like um, we were laughing about this earlier, the video, the classic YouTube video of the, gnome-like creature scuttling across mm -hmm. the, the the frame and i remember seeing that back in like the early days of youtube when i first had a i came late to the party but like um when i first had like a computer i was in college or whatever and my mind was like so blown away by this video and now of course it circulates as like a as a joke but um because and it is it's funny and it's it's funny in that sort of like off kilter like twisted sort of what am i seeing kind of way but i'd always yeah it fascinated me and it, just the the ways it just you know south american central american and european mm -hmm. like gnome folklore are very you know have these like the way that they look is similar you know yeah. mm -hmm. um duendes are originated in spain I, that's what I learned just this past week mm -hmm. doing the the research. So they, you know, it was it was lore that came over with the Spanish too. And it's like, yeah, really. Once I then it becomes so much more than these gnome stories. Now I'm like, it's open. Now it's like, wow, there's just so much more to this. I was listening to Our Strange Skies, and mm -hmm. they were doing mm -hmm. a whole story. There we go, my little my little friend there. Yeah. Uh, stories about people's uh, UFO encounters that involved like these small strange beings, and they were laughing right. about how they were dressed like you know Peter Pan. <laughs> I'm like, mm -hmm. well, I have a story mm -hmm. about that. So, like, there, I, there I always think more. about if if someone's hoaxing that, like, if if that was a person doing a hoax or or and we've talked about this with Bigfoot and whatever it's like in a lot of these places where if you take that chance there's a chance you're going to get shot by someone depending on where you are yeah, they, yeah depending right. on where you are in a lot yeah. of parts of the country well you're going to get uh, shot like you run around in the woods like when those people were doing all those dressing up as clowns everywhere well, I was somebody like, did get chased gonna... no somebody did get yeah somebody was yeah. was faking that and that's yeah. that's a little different because it, it's not a it's not a 1 foot tall clown no with that is, or but i'm just saying a, anytime know, you dress up dude. as something scary and you scare the wrong person you yeah. run the risk of being injured yeah, you know? yeah. that doesn't stop people from doing it certainly yeah. because people do all kinds of d dumb That's things true. not thinking not thinking about the consequences but you do wonder about it but i want to make a point uh we because we've seen this quite a bit and certainly uh, uh you know anthropologists and folklorists uh, is nothing new to them, but we see a blending. So you have, uh, you know, you have the indigenous cultures of an area, uh, as as with the, um, like I said, the the Noskins, and then the uh, the peoples before them that are pre-Hispanic, and then you have the Spanish, and it becomes blended, and then you have something kind of new between the two. Same thing that we saw with uh, La Nal Rouge, 
mm-hmm. where you have uh, old French traditions and their customs blending with the native uh, the native tribes in the area, and then that becomes something new. Um, and it's just that is just the way of history. And so people that uh, you know, it's it's kind of nice in a way, and like it's just it's just a mishmash. And you there's no truth getting to whatever is is the truth or the original thing, or it yeah. belongs to these people or not. It's just it's just there. And we're the ones assigning all these things to it. We're the ones saying that this is ridiculous or these people are silly yes. or or it can't be this or it can't be that. It yeah. is it's just there. Well, it's just like assigning you know, assigning names, assigning religious, you know, meaning, spiritual meaning, yeah. or whatever meaning to certain things that are just, these are just, these are bits and pieces of activity, or these are things people experience, see, hear, feel, six senses, five, six senses. And uh, we organize it through mythology and religion and folklore. And, yes. But like you said, it's like, they're there. We could get, you know, they're, they're doing this. what they do. This was on Reddit today on the, you know, I don't know. I probably scrolled down a, a couple of pages, um, but this is a per, it's according to the post. And I didn't look at the comments to see it to vet it or whatever. This is a person who stood in a blizzard for four hours in a in a scream costume and stared at a webcam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just standing there four hours, just just for a gag. Huh. I guess like a social yeah. experiment. Like who knows? Who knows? They made it on yeah. Reddit, so maybe. I mean, well, there you go. Like, and they're, they're, people, what people will do for gold for Reddit gold? Yeah, exactly. Whatever. But yeah. it's just uh, like I said. Uh, depending where it is, you're going to get a smart aleck that's going to walk up to him and just clock that guy. Just to, you know, it, it, well, I we've seen the, terrified. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've we've seen the thing where the per, you know as different people react. It's the. Uh, you know, and again, they're trying to get on uh, and and get uh, likes on YouTube or now TikTok is the guy who pops out of the uh, the hollow, you know, the Halloween basket where he's dressed like the scarecrow yeah. on the porch, and and uh, and, and those guys get punched. Yeah, because your first reaction yeah. <laughs> is just is to to beat down on that. But I think when it's also when it's real, sometimes uh, that can happen. Certainly, when we covered the Halloween story, uh, you know, our our friend uh, up in Canada and up up you know on the uh, the ranch in Alberta uh, is that if it's so horrific and you're armed, it is to oh, uh, try to put this down, this thing down, you know? And That's so he I shot thought. at it. That, Sorry. Wait. I know exactly where Forrest, you and I have stood r- right at this intersection. Oh, is that the, uh, is that, that is right across the street from the Monte Vista hotel that we stayed oh, at? Oh, well there you mm-hmm. see. So the Monte Vista is a tie in because there's the train station, notoriously haunted hotel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, That's right across from the hotel that I had the exploding head syndrome thing in and saw yeah. the train on the street out the window oh. in the middle of the night. Okay. And this oh. is also Scott where you stood for four hours in a scream. Outfit. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Weirdly, <laughs> that was me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. In the middle of anyway, the night, but sorry, you know, that's it, weird. I didn't realize it was Flagstaff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Here's the thing is that it's uh so it's a real person and yeah. Also uh, the new screen movies coming out. It could be, it could oh, be, yeah. it could be marketing. Well, there you yeah. go. That's what they were doing with the, remember the smile. Cause that's the new trend. Uh, they think it's uh, clever is like with the, the movie, the smile is that they had people get on to uh, in the back of shot. So like at a soccer yeah. game, they had, they paid somebody for, you know, the, the not, well, at least the 90 minutes of the game and then probably for another hour to just sit there and, and creepily smile into the, you know, getting, getting on camera yeah. as a viral marketing campaign. So, yeah. uh, but it's, uh, like I said, it, you could, you can pull that stuff for a while, but it's kind of like, remember when Dave Lebron, letter, when Dave Letterman would have, um, 
Rupert, uh, the uh, Hello Deli shop order, go yeah. and just kind of uh, mess with people. And one guy finally was like, I'm about to stab you. And it's like, yeah, you're you're in Manhattan. That's you're going to press the wrong button and somebody is going to react. And that's what's going to happen. But, um, you know, but I don't feel bad for the 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 we folk because there's something uh, again. They just they they do feel like they have to run off. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they just vanished. We've certainly uh, we've heard stories from people where that it's like yeah they'll uh, it's kind of the reverse of the uh, the duck around is that they go around a corner and then they're just gone. Uh, the knock is a uh, that's a very common thing. I've uh, have a friend who's described that happening at certain times. But what I would like to know with that and it's just kind of that weird geeky thing is it is it exactly at eight p.m. Sometimes it are they late? Right. It's eight oh four. Yeah, Can and you then when you bring the religion into yeah. it, the three knocks, yeah, it's the right. Trinity, all that stuff. There's <laughs> and that's like, yeah, and I I try to stay away from yeah, like the labeling of that kind of stuff, yeah, especially. Yeah. I'm like I'm sure yeah. that yeah, like uh Jesus and his pals have, have like bigger business to take care of than, you know, I, but I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, that's where like the memory part kind of comes in. Like, I remember that it was around 8 PM. I didn't mm-hmm. ever look, I mean, I'm sure I, I think I glanced at the clock at the time, but at the time I wasn't keeping a record. I wasn't keeping right. a journal. It was more anecdotal. It was like every night when the clock strikes eight and it might've only happened five or six times, but it right. happened five or six times. And it mm-hmm. felt like all the time. And I remember, I remember hearing it. And then, and then he, the person, he would go to the door and be like, do you hear somebody knock? And I would think to myself, I did. I hear this knocking all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But and I also wanted to mention to something you had said earlier that like when you watch some of those reality shows, like the fear shows where they put mm-hmm. people in those like practical joke situations where something paranormal is is staged happening. A lot of times they stand there kind of flabbergasted or dumbfounded or they like just sort of keep doing whatever they're doing. Right. It's like those magic shows like we're going to keep unpacking these boxes and then something is bizarre is unfolding and they just right. sort of like they look and then they but they're still doing what they're doing. And I think that sort of speaks to that sort of um, that's like our brain. I don't know if it's like a protective thing that we're like, just keep calm unless it, unless the times when people are like throwing punches is when somebody's jumping out from behind something. Yeah. That's primal. Right. uh, Right. So I wonder if that's like our, yeah, like our lizard brains are like, we're not paying attention to that because it's not hurting us yet. And, you know, and it's go time. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. generally, yeah, I mean, I, I rarely do. Uh, it's kind of I mean, it's a, it's a silly thought, but I don't think we've ever come across a story or an anecdote where somebody, you know, was was uh, uh, surprised by a shadow person. And then they just tried to punch it. You know, it's like right. there's people they have different reactions. But usually, like I said, I think when it's genuine, is that it more of fear and not to I'm going to fight this thing. It's I'm going to get the yeah. heck out of here. It's uh, There's something my my uncle had another story about hearing something come into his house. And my uncle, as you could gather as a hunter, and he's decked out, he's guns, mm-hmm. guns head to toe. Right. And uh, he had said something in the story along along the lines of like hearing these footsteps come down the hallway and he had a pistol like in his bedside table and he says in the stories like i knew that my pistol was of no use to me at this moment yeah. <laughs> and that this was yeah. completely this whatever he was whatever battle he was about to fight was going to be totally like cerebral yeah right yeah right. that's it uh, that's it this that sounds like an yeah. interesting guy 
I know uh, we well, should get right. You should have him on, but he's not. Uh, yeah, I would love to have him technology, on. Technology, so I don't. He doesn't. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bernie is a legend. <laughs> uh, well, Amelia, as we start to close out here, uh, what are you working on now? What would you? Uh... I think what he's saying is, as we start to wrap things up, yeah. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to talk, uh, you, you, there okay. you go. He came right in. It was perfect. You so froze up for us. I was filling in for you. You froze oh. up, but you came back on. What are you working on now? So we're that's good. odd. Okay. And you're frozen again. There you are. Now um, yeah. So, gosh, um, I uh, got to refer to my notes because I don't, my brain is, it's been a long day. I don't know yeah. anymore. Um, right now I'm in a little <laughs> bit of a holding pattern because I came, <clears throat> I published a, a book last year and a book the year before that. And um, I'm just resting on my laurels or whatever, I guess, for a little bit right now. But I do have some book projects in mind, including another poetry book that's, Oh, cool. Um, not going to, maybe not related to the paranormal, although the other poetry mm-hmm. book apparitions has supernatural elements in it. It's not about ghosts per se, right. but um, you know, and I'm eager to start a new project maybe with uh, a Chicago theme or work on some of these ghost stories that I'm starting to be more talkative about now. Maybe I should get these down on paper also. Um I will be at the Haunted America conference with Troy Taylor in Great. June. Yeah. And I'm really excited about that. I'm so, so um, thrilled to be going down there. And I have other events people can, you know, I love to hear from people and, and connect with people. So I'm all over the interweb. I'm not on TikTok. That's everything else. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, c- keeping up with my events there. Um my husband, Jonathan, and I, we have our own little little micro business called the Dragon Amelia's Dragon Goddess Boutique. Mm. So um you can you can get my books on Amazon and all the usual places, but I have a little online store where we also sell handmade um perfumes, oh, cool. solid perfumes and incenses and oh, cool. other magical yeah. items. He's more of like a magical practitioner. Um thank you. The mechanic mm. is He's on it. Very mechanical. Um, Can't the uh, screen, but we'll we'll have links. We'll have links in the posting. Cool. Um, I appreciate it. So, uh, you know, um, that's our that's our get rich slow scheme, as we call it. That's just (laughs) that's just for fun. That's just for us to enjoy. Do make you know he loves making the stuff with his with his hands and everything. Doing all all handmade, handcrafted stuff. And uh, yes, I'm looking forward to to writing another book and just enjoying enjoying writing for a while before I yeah. start thinking about publishing again. But um, but yeah, this is a real. This last year was really banner for me. This is this is shaping up to be a banner year too. So I'm really grateful that you had me on, and uh, I hope to continue this cool new friendship that we have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank we, you well, for coming on. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, in part of the circle here with uh, uh, not so newfound friends, but we've had um, Allison Jornlin on for our Christmas special. Oh, yes. And then th- that's the connector uh, between the all three of us. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and uh, uh, who also uh, we were just uh, DMing back and forth. And, and I said, uh, yeah, I think she's going to come on and talk about a gnome. She's like, she has to tell me those stories. Yeah. Cause cause she's, she's very interested. Into the, yeah. Yeah. Allison's the coolest. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Troy's been on a couple times too. Oh, so, I know. I, mm, I, mm. oh my God, I fangirled myself into oblivion every time. <laughs> I'm just wow, all my like all my favorite people in one place. 
He is so generous with his content. Whenever we like stumble across nine times out of 10, he's already written a book on it. So it's like, we will just yeah. call and be like, Hey, can we refer? He's like, do whatever you want. He's, yeah. he's so great about that. Yeah. He's well, cool. it's, yeah. it's, it's see, he does an excellent job at framing the narrative. So we'll, we'll try and do some little research to fill in bits of yeah. here, but he's framed it all for us. So it's like, Hey, can we just use the story structure? Because he's, right. he's very good at that. Taking some yes, historical he happening yeah, I, and, I, uh, turning it into a story, but right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, well, we hope to see you around a lot more, uh, as part of our collective here and, mm-hmm. uh, don't be a stranger if anything weird happens. But I think, I think my summation is that it was a tumultuous, turbulent time. Uh, and unlike your uncle, maybe in a way that, uh, where, like you said, I don't know if it, exactly if it's a haunted life, uh, but he was open to it. His, his, uh, his filters were down and these things are happening. I think maybe with you or whatever, there's a, that's also a common thing where there's some tumult and uh, it makes these things more common. And now we're so glad yeah. that you're in a more settled, happier place that, uh, you know, that kind of um, uh, those kind of monkey shines are maybe over for a while. Right. Yeah. I, I do. I continue to have the comings and goings of experiences after I go to a haunted place. Little mm-hmm. things will happen around the apartment. They're usually mm. benign or friendly or um, sort of what we were talking about, where it's like I'm open to experiencing them. But to a, to a, to a degree, because I don't want to live in a haunted house. Do not scare me. Do not appear <laughs> over me as, you know, when I'm right. waking up. Um, just uh, little sounds or things in the apartment totally fine i'm curious after this interview if something will happen yeah no I, I said the word fairy fifty thousand times you so. did. Yeah. as we're reading that you shouldn't well, say that's the on word him. yeah um and i wonder yeah so i do believe that there is that these experiences were meaningful that these these beings were here at a very specific time um i don't know what meaning i think i think i will learn you know it might not even be until after this chat that i really start to piece those things together since it did all happen in that very right hack that was like an action packed time yeah. in life um but again i don't i just i also believe that they they're natural and it's not that deep maybe for them as it is for us. We are always looking right. for those were signs and the signs from them. And maybe they're just doing what they do. Um, but I'd like to think that that little, that my little friend there was um, maybe warning me, but I don't mm-hmm. know. So I don't want to, I don't even want to say, but. Well, you know, without having to read into it at face value, it sparked some creativity and uh, you know, was inspiration for some writing, I think perhaps. And that, Take it, take you know, whether even if it didn't happen, and even if you hallucinated the whole thing, let's say, right, there, there's something about it that is, uh, it's kind of a kicker to that creative process and and the imagination, at least. Well, that, just, so that that's I that brings up a good point because I believe that about the Walter experiences too. Mm-hmm. That prompted me to write a whole book about this ghost and then it prompted this career and then it prompted all these wonderful relationships that I have with people from all over the place. And um, and so, yeah, like the it could be more even more abstract than what I'm thinking. And and because I don't have fond feelings about this person, but they needed a lot of love and care at at that time that uh, the human the humans in their life could not give them because he was, yeah. he was just not in a good place. And so maybe, maybe they were there for him in that way and in some way as well. Well, I, I think that 
that wraps it up. I wanted I, I want to have see if you'll come back maybe in the future and join us, especially if we do yeah. a roundtable on the yeah. on our uh, on the main show. And also, we're going to be trying to trend towards a little more video content here in the future. So for sure, if you'd be willing to. And by the way, I think you could have absolutely done this live. You would have been fine. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. I just, uh, you know, if I have the preference, I won't go live. But I do. I would do okay live too. I just, I, you know. I hear you. Well, (laughs) here's the thing: is that, like I said, uh, our Patreon audience to begin with is just, which is where this is going to premiere. uh, Terrific folks, just, just wonderful. I mean, they're like we're all like friends here, Uh, but they would be asking some questions. And, yes. uh, and again, I wouldn't be afraid of anything that, uh, they would pause it because it's, it's certainly not the usual YouTube comment section, which, uh, yeah. you know, which you're just putting out to the world, but, uh, you'd be surprised how many people have had, uh, similar things, but no one's asked them. And even if they did, they're, they're reluctant to, to talk about it. But I think yeah. as the years, especially I think in the next couple of years, this one included, in the next two or three, we're going to see a huge loosening up of, uh, of tongues and experiences and people coming forward because yeah. at some point, like I said, it, it Scott and I have always said this at some point with a lot of stuff happening, that's, you don't know what it is. You can't define it, but it's, you can't deny it's happening. You start to look foolish. If you keep denying it, it's like, there's nothing here. Nothing's happening. Then, then you start to look like, yeah. are you not? seeing what's happening how in front much, of your own yeah, eyes. How much yeah. do you really need before you start to, yeah. And that's, totally. a, it, but it's all, on the other hand, it's all extremely personal. So we've all, we've always said that every experience well, is, you know. And that's my like, uh, you know, kumbaya thing is like creating space for people to be comfortable to share yeah. their stories. Like, because yeah, exactly. I, you know, there's so many ghost hunters aren't kind to each other. Skeptics aren't kind to ghost hunters. So yeah. People have these stories and they're looking to share them. So if if they had a safe place to do that. Well, that's what we, we hope to do around yeah, here. This so. show, some of the, I just, yeah, like Astonishing Legends and Our Strange Skies. Penny Royal Podcast is really good too. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, but there's, out. yeah, mm-hmm. just, there's a lot of people I think that are like changing. Yeah, the, heard of it. There's like a, a shift. Yeah. Um, All right. Ryan Sprague's uh, Somewhere in the Skies uh, features also a lot of, uh, you oh, know, yeah. a lot of, uh, listener interaction and stories and so that's that's another great outlet too but yeah we're just a a big community of uh of para nerds and so uh but but here's the thing it's a lot more interesting than just kind of like shoving all this under the carpet so yeah to me anyway but anyway well well, thanks again yes thanks again uh please hang out we'll talk to you uh backstage after the show uh mechanic thank you for all your help uh if you'll roll the closing credits please